kick your f***ing ass. I want you off the f***ing set, you f***. Now, don't just be sorry. Think for one second. What the f*** are you doing? Are you professional or not? Yes, I am. Do I walk around and rip that? No, shut the f*** up, Bruce. Do I want? No. No. Don't shut me up. Am I going to walk around and rip your f lights down in the middle of a scene? Then why the f*** are you walking right through? Ah, da 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 like this in the background. What the f*** is it with you? What don't you f***ing understand? You got any f***ing idea about, hey, it's f***ing distracting having somebody walking up behind Bryce in the middle of the f***ing scene. Give me a f***ing answer. What don't you get about it? I was looking at the light. Oh, good for you. And how was it? I hope it was Good, because it's useless now, isn't it? Okay. sake, man, you're amateur. Look, gee, you have something to say to this? I didn't see it happen. Well, somebody should be watching and keeping an eye on him. Fair enough. This is the second time that he doesn't give a about what is going on in front of the camera. All right? All right? I'm trying to do a scene here, and I'm going, why the is Shane walking in there? What is he doing there? Do you understand my mind is not in the scene if you're doing that? Stay off the f set, man. For f sake. Right, let's go again. Let's not take a f minute. Let's go again. And let's not have you f walking in. Can I have Tom put this on, please? Hey, Tom Wardrobe, please. Can I have Tom Wardrobe? You're unbelievable, man. You're un Believable. Number of times you're strolling the f around in the background. I've never had a DP behave like this. Ah, uh, you don't f understand what it's like working with actors. That's what that is. No, that's, that's what that is, man. I'm telling you. I'm not asking. I'm telling you. You wouldn't have done that otherwise. I want to kick your f ass. You know, Christian, shut up for a second, all right? I'm going to go. Do you want me to go trash your lights? Do you want me to trash them? Then why are you trashing my scene? You are trashing my scene. You do it one more time. And I ain't walking on this set if you're still hired. I'm serious. You're a nice guy. You're a nice guy. But I don't cut it when you're around like this on set. Yeah, you might get it. He doesn't. Get it. I know, I get it. You might. I get he it. does not I get it. And good adjustments, okay? For real. Honestly, I get it. Walk for five seconds. For no, five I don't need any walking. He needs to stop walking. I get that. I ain't the one walking. Let's get Tom and put this back on. Okay. Let's go again. Right. Seriously, man, you and me, we're done professionally. Yes. That's tomorrow. And that is it for us today. Okay, I don't know. Whatever it is, it's not right on the teleprompter. I don't know what that is. I've never seen that. No, there it is. We are going to do Sting, yeah. Okay, but... Okay. Now, I can't read it. There's no, there's no words on it. Okay. Ready? Sure. There's no words there to play us out. What does that mean, to play us out? 
It's, it's Sting is going to do. It's a video. Sting video. What is for credits? I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? To end the show? Yeah. Yeah. All right, go, go. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is up. Again, five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a. I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. Thing sucks. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. Oh, and it just goes on and on and on and on. That was from a couple days ago, right? And I, no, it's from the same time. It's This is from uh, right before The Dark Knight premiered, I think. It's from like a year ago. So somebody clearly was just waiting until the right moment. <laughs> just waiting until he wasn't around, until his PR people were out of town. Where's Christian Bale? He's in Fiji? That's great. Log me on to AOL, will you please? I've got something to upload. <laughs> Don uh, on the phone? I want to know where my pictures are. That's great. It really is the Casey Kasem of a new generation. Well done, Christian Bale. God bless you. Uh, grateful entertainment industry gives its thanks. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello, hi, and howdy. We are live from the flushly appointed yet not really ostentatious studios of AM 970. The talker, this, my friends... Is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. I'd like to join us today with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, uh, ruminations, ponderings, musings, whatever it is you might have. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, whatever it is. You might have on this Tuesday. It is uh, Tuesday. Welcome to Day 12. Uh, here's what's coming up later on today. CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, will be joining us. We'll also talk to CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum and James Roop. Katie Darrell will join us from TMZ. TMZ, by the way, uh, they're the folks who broke that story today. Yeah, Christian Bale. Let's see, where did I... Just, just a little bit more of the... Check your f***ing ass! I want you off the f***ing set, you no, don't just be sorry. Think for one second. Yeah. So uh, we'd like to thank TMZ.com for that. Mm. So we'll talk to Katie Darrell about that uh, later on today. Let's see who else. John Taylor will be uh, joining us Joining us today. John Taylor will be in the studio later on in the noontime hour. Plus your phone calls. Uh, we will revisit yesterday's undead survival question. Uh, because there's just all this divisiveness about it. And I don't really feel like we got to adequately resolve uh, so we'll uh, revisit yesterday's zombie Costco question 
Then we will follow up. That will be in the first half of the show somewhere. And then in the back half of the show, we'll uh, go to question number two. Every day this week, we're going to be doing an undead survival question as the lead-up to uh, the new exciting installment of CBS Radio Theater, which is this coming Sunday, 6 p.m. 6 p.m. this Sunday, immediately preceding Musicology. Uh, this Sunday, exciting new episode of AZ. And the second half of CBS Radio Theater will be a uh, detective noir thriller set right here in Portland. Kimmy Waters and the Songbirds of Sing Sing. So that's all coming up uh, today, the zombie question anyway. We'll revisit the Costco one and we'll do the uh, the new one on the other side of that. Let's see. Darwin Watch coming up today. Uh, Clergy Watch coming up today. Religious Nutcase Watch coming up today. Let's see. Job Watch. I'm just going to read this. I'm not even going to read this whole story. Because there's so much to get through today. We've got all of this stuff. And by stuff, I mean uh, I mean this right there. Take your f***ing ass. I want you off the f***ing set, you f Yeah. Uh, we've got this. This is from the Times Online. I'm going to read this one paragraph, then we'll move on. It's normally a moment of cheery reassurance when an airline pilot greets passengers during preparations for takeoff. But when a flight, that is Aeroflight 315... Began to taxi toward takeoff, the pilot began to speak. Passengers immediately knew the man was drunk. He was slurring, gibbering, moving from Russian to English and back to Russian again, making no sense. Flight attendants initially ignored passengers' complaints and threatened to expel them from the plane. But as passengers continued to grumble among themselves that the pilot was too drunk to fly... Aeroflight representatives boarded the aircraft to try to calm down the passengers. They sought to reassure the passengers by announcing that, quote, It is not such a big deal if the pilot is drunk because the aircraft practically flies itself. Bam! End quote. There you go. The end of that. Uh, all right, so we got lots more to get to today. It's going to be a fantastic program. Uh, we will do a, uh, another Happy Valentine's Day or Not breakup story. Uh, if you can go to 970.am, go to 970.am, submit your Valentine's Day break. It doesn't have to be about Valentine's Day, but submit your, val your, 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 your breakup slash divorce story. If we read it on the air, you win a $75 gift card to proflowers.com. Yesterday we had the story about the woman whose husband got drunk. Her son was getting married. Her husband gets drunk at the wedding and then hits on her daughter. So that's awkward. Uh, so that was Sharon yesterday. She won a $75 gift card to Pearl Flowers. Today we do another breakup story. And too late did we think of what this bit should have been called. Instead of Happy Valentine's Day or not, which is okay, somebody suggested calling it The X-Files because we're also buttressing each of these stories with a breakup story from Sarah Dillon's own personal life. I've got a good one for today, too. Do you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. It's like it's like reliving all these memories, though. I'm like, oh, this is bad. Well, see, this way it's like you get to see your shrink twice as much. How often do you go sure. to your shrink? Twice a month? Yeah. See, so this way you get to go to... You know what it is? This is like five little mini shrink visits. How lucky for me. It's like a bag of White Castle shrink visits. You know, they're, they're tiny, but they go down easily, and, you know, they're not all that expensive. So there you go. All right, 503-733-2970. Uh, uh, just before we do anything else, let me just... Take your f***ing ass! I want you off the f***ing set, you yeah. All right. I've got a little analysis of this Christian Bale meltdown from our good friend Siegfried, uh, who has worked on many a film set and has seen behavior, you know, similar to this, not exactly this. He has some great insights on the, on the mind of Christian Bale. Take your f***ing ass. All right. It's 503-733-2970. 503 
733-2970. Here's something else that I was considering making into a whole story later, but I think it's all just in the headline. Speaking of Valentine's Day and breakups and bust-ups and discord of all varieties. Deputies say man threw urine, eggs, and lighter fluid on girlfriend. I just printed that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to give it all away. Oh, no, it's okay. By the way, it says he became combative because he was upset about a phone call. So there you go. Um, Brings in weird times. People are getting murdered over Facebook statuses, and I, my whole thing is, 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 is splashed her with a cup of urine, pelted her with a half dozen eggs, and threatened to set her on fire Saturday morning. It seems like after the cup of urine, well, whatever. Anyway, we'll talk more about it later on. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely intelligent Eric Stillman. Hello, how are you today? Hello, I'm doing well. I just I rode my bike again today. I know. I feel uh, I feel positively a poor sign next to you guys. And I decided, well, since this bike goes so fast too, and I you know never rode with a helmet um, with my Electra, I decided to go and buy a helmet, and it kind of matches. Now I thought you had a helmet. Didn't you have a helmet already? Oh, it's a different helmet. Oh, I see. But it has to match the bicycle, of course. Well, I actually had ordered a black one, and then I went to pick it up, and there's like, oh, we're sorry, we forgot to order it for you, and this is the only one they had in my size at the store. No, I like that. It works. It does. Right. It does. Because it's like, it's really scary when I'm going so fast, you know, riding downtown. Because I'm used to, like, you know, going really slow in my two-speed. Yeah, you don't want to end up all lurchy and drooly. No. So, I mean, I'm just, like, zipping around. I'm like, all right, this is about the time that I need to start. Yeah, seriously. All right. Well, good for you. Yeah. All right. Oh, so uh, Richie and I had our bowling league last night. How did that work out? Sucked. Really? <laughs> I think we won once, maybe. So is it like a media league? Wait, is it like you play, and other... Yeah, but we played the woman... Remember uh, the woman last year oh. who we would have problems with who would be drunk and mean? Yes, from Clear Channel. She stopped drinking. Really? And she was just fine. Did you notice that she wasn't drinking last year? Because she had night? a man whipping her on her. Did she? Keeping her in shape. Which, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, wait, hold on. What are you talking about? It's probably not... You probably don't want to position as she had a man whipping on her and keeping her in shape. Well, you know how they say, you know, like... Oh, I see. Sort of a figurative. Not like an Ike Turner. She looked pretty whoosh. I talked to her, uh... All right. The, the people that she works with... This wasn't like a throwing urine, eggs, and, and lighter fluid on her, keeping her in shape. No. Okay. But I had made that comment to her, her, her work mates... Is that what they're called? This is a woman... Okay, okay, so so you and... So, Sarah and you guys are in a... Uh, what's a media... Is it just radio? It's a media or is it, No, it's a... Uh, Media. Yeah, media. There's radio, media. TV, you know, newspapers, whoever. All right. Yes, yeah, so there's, yeah, so there's TV and there's a, a music company. I know that's there as well. All right. And so, but there was a woman who worked at Clear Channel who was really obnoxious. You pointed her out to me at one point. Yeah. Uh, and she was just really, uh, you know, she was very disagreeable, apparently. So she was... Um, but so she was just fine yesterday. Keeping her out uh -huh. together. Like maybe at some point her coworkers had to sit her down and let her give no, her the word. No, no, no. I, I hit it right on the nose. That's what they said. Because I said something to them when she wasn't around. I said, oh, look, she's all acting all nice and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, she... Maybe her gentleman friend let her know that that was not an appropriate way to behave. Or something. And they said, oh, you hit it right on the nose. All right. So how did you, uh, so how did it go last night? Oh. <laughs> it was okay. Were you victorious? No, oh, I thought drunk. you were asking about the whole, no, I wasn't drunk. I was later on, but no. No, it was just kind of awkward with the, the Oh, that's that right. Well, I don't think we talked about this on the air yesterday, but so you're, uh, you're not your most recent ex. This is two exes back. Actually bowls on another team that is at your bowling night. Yeah. See, we didn't really talk. You, you and I talked about it off the air, but then I don't think we ever really got a chance to discuss it on the air because we got distracted well, by something it's, else. It's strange, too, because the league this year is a lot smaller. Right. Like, we, there were 16 teams last time. Now there are eight. So the odds are just like the odds are one and eight that you'll be bowling, right? No, in fact, the odds are probably, depending on where you are in the bowling alley, the odds are probably something like one in five. No, and, and like, last night we were separated by about 
four lanes. Right, because you're going to be because if, if you're bowling like at lane five, you've got a lane on either side of you. Mm-hmm. So the the odds are actually one in four. The odds are twenty five percent that you will be bowling immediately next to your uh, one of your ex boyfriends. Yeah. All right. The great thing is Sarah didn't hear my comment in front of everybody. They have a little meeting before the whole thing where everybody's all together, and uh, they said, "Does anybody have a problem with the schedule?" And I kind of raised my hand and I pointed at the clear channel chick and I said, mm-hmm. "Yeah, first of all, we're playing her first. Everybody heard me." And I said, but it's better than playing him and pointing at it. <laughs> well done, Richie. And he, Sarah didn't hear it. I was, where awkwardness doesn't already exist or where it's subsu- subdued somehow, you're going to make sure that it's brought to the fore. Oh, well, yeah. That's really that was, Yeah, it was fine. I didn't touch it. Like, a, across the room, we gave, like, a little, like... Like a cursory sort of acknowledgement? Yeah, but I don't know, like... I am indicating that I am aware of your presence, but we are not going to interact beyond this. Thank you so much. I know. It's just still... Really, it's I, I was too soon. I was really uncomfortable. I have to say, like, like I, I had some uh, friends come down and visit while we were bowling, and like I made Lisa Wood walk with me to go get my shoes. Is this because you figure if, if somebody else was with you, he wouldn't uh, come over and try to speak with you? Yeah, but I mean, I don't really think there's any. Well, I was just thinking we both like to bowl, and he's nice, and it's not like he's he's like super creepy or anything. I'm just not like I, I don't like having chit chats with you know. Well, it just seems kind of pointless. Well, that's that's the because it's all awkward small talk, and there's no. It is, and it's just like, and what if there's, you know, especially if you're living in fear that the, the conversation is going to go to. So I was going to get a milkshake later, and I thought that maybe two straws, one glass, kind of a thing, and. Because um... that was the awkward thing. Cause after I broke up with the comedian, um, I actually heard from the farmer. Um, so I know you're single again, and anyway, so. Um... Yeah, like that week, he's just like, so I don't know, I don't know what's going on with you, but uh, maybe if you want to go get a drink sometime. I like how that, in my head, I decided that that's his voice too. It's droopy <laughs> dog. So. Oh, anyway, uh, I was just walking through your neighborhood late at night for no real reason, and uh, I was wondering uh, maybe you were bored and we could walk. But all right. Yeah, well, I just. So I how many more weeks do you get to bowl right next to him? Eight. That's great. <laughs> I know, and I didn't think that it would be as awkward as it was. Oh, I knew it would be it's, as awkward as it was. It was. It was. Because you don't so spend. The, see, here's the thing: is that you are very much a you. You know what you are. Um, your philosophy in life is is similar to my own. It can be boiled down to four civil words, Sarah. And this is something I used to go to high school with this guy named Rob, who was just as dumb as a post. Rob just had the Rob Rob had the brains, the box of hair. It did really. I mean, it's just unbelievably stupid. But you know that whole thing about it's like what's his name? I think it's I think it's that the character of Harding or Cheswick or somebody in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, where he's just where he just speaks in gibberish all the time. But then there's that moment right at the end of the book where he stops and he says. Something about like, and then he makes some he makes some statement to McMurphy out of the blue that suddenly rings very true, and he just, you know all this for one crystal moment he speaks with clarity, eh? and then he goes back to being an idiot. That was my friend Rob in high school, and Rob said this thing to me one time. He goes, you know, dude, the key to life is just acknowledge and move on. But then it's like he immediately went back to like I like boobs and he would, and he turned stupid again. But for that one second, it's like he was bathed in a golden ray of light, and he said, "Acknowledge and move on." And that has been my motto ever since. Things happen, you acknowledge and move on. Good, bad, middle of the road doesn't matter. And that's how you are with relationships. You either break up with somebody, you know what? You acknowledge, you move on. And so a lot of times that means no looking back. You gotta keep eyes eyes on the horizon. I've had a few repeat offenders, but I mean, but at the end, you know, when it is finally the last breakup, then that's the same thing. Now, did you get any? Have you ever done this? Uh, You're in the room, and there's somebody that you, you whether it's because you're broken up with them or you're just trying to avoid them. And there's that thing of you are very deliberately not making uh, contact, but every now and again you kind of flick your eyes over to see, and then of course they're looking at you. 
So anyway, um, I'm, old, I'm bowling three lines over, and I was thinking that um, uh, there's a snack, there's a snack machine over there. Maybe we could get some Fritos. No? Okay, See, well, I'll be even... here. Maybe next week, because I don't, you know, I'm going to be here. And, and I don't want, I don't want to make him sound weird, because I don't even know if he's interested. Of course he is. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Who are we fooling? All right. Well, it's just like I wish that you know it wouldn't be. Uh, I, I just want something that I know isn't possible. I wish that it wouldn't be so awkward. And it, is, it was just terrible. Like I, I purposely came late because I was, you know, and I'm just like, and Richie's like, oh, we're playing your favorite team. Like right when I walked in, and my heart dropped. I'm like, oh my god. I'm like, this is actually happening. And then it turned out to be the Clear Channel lady. Maybe you should have guys fill out a questionnaire beforehand. Uh, it, it, do you now, or do you plan to ever work for a media company? Do you bowl? What bars do you frequent? Hey, that's actually not a bad idea. You know what I mean? What are your favorite drinking establishments? If we break up, will you, you know, do you continue to, to drink at these at these same establishments? Will you be altering your lifestyle at any point during our relationship? And after our relationship, will you revert to your previous social behaviors? Yeah, well, because I've had to alter my lifestyle for other people. I'm like, because I'm not going to go and show up at, like... Well, you got that one ex that suddenly was driving way out of his way to suddenly show up at a bar where you drink? Yeah. And they're also I know like, I live 80 miles away, but uh, I just happened to be here ordering a gin and tonic. Hey, here you are, Sarah. Oh, God. So you like to drink. I like to drink. Hey, we're here at a bar. That's an interesting breakup story, too. Maybe yeah, I'll save that phone for Thursday. So later on today, we'll do uh, our val happy Valentine's Day or not uh, breakup story. If we read your breakup story on the air, you'll win a $75 gift card through ProFlowers.com. So you can enter at 970.am. Uh, All right, so uh, here's what's coming up today. Katie Darrell from TMZ, Lisa Desjardins from CNN, Jim Roop, Steve Kastenbaum, uh, Don Taylor will be here, and guess what I'm holding my hand, Sarah Dillon? What is it? It's the ADD ADHD <gasps> quiz. Sarah, awesome. it's the symptom checklist for adult attention deficit disorders, both attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and attention deficit disorder, undifferentiated. Right here. Oh, my God. The so, day has finally arrived. Everybody can be quizzed along and find out exactly how crazy you are in the Rick Emerson nutty scale. All right, we'll do that later on. I just Before we do it, I'm going to leave you with this thought. Take your ass. I want you off the set, you Yeah, it's funny because it's true. Christian right. Bale just seems like a, a jerk. He does. He seems like a, an ass. He has that quiet composure, and he has the little wife who's always walking along with him. You know that. Yeah. Yeah, she gets uh, this. This merely speculation, but you know that she just gets a verbal lashing like every night. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, so we'll we'll play that whole thing again later on, and then uh, I will read. This is actually really. I'll read Siegfried's analysis of it. Siegfried, who is a good friend of the show, and and as we always say, you know, works in the Portland film industry and done a whole lot of things. Um, it really knows more about movies than anybody I've ever met in my life. He has some great thoughts on on this sort of meltdown on the set and and some takes on why it happened and how frequent this sort of thing it really is in Hollywood. All right. Take a break. Back after this, your phone calls, Lisa Desjardins, and... Take your More. Back after this. Don't go down. Swallowed a thing. All right. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along, ladies and... Gentlemen. Uh, you can email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am or Richie with a T at 970.am. Um, 
Your phone call's coming up here in just a few. Also, we'll talk. We'll revisit yesterday's undead survival question, which is the great uh, do you or do you not go to Costco when the zombies come uh, query. So we'll get to that here in a few. Later on, Don Taylor will join us, Katie Darrell from TMZ, Jim Roop, and uh, so forth. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you today? Hey, I'm okay. How you doing? I am fantastic. How about that Christian Bale? You don't even know what I'm talking about, I have do you? no idea what you're talking about, but hey, how about it? You know uh, Welsh actor Christian Bale? I, I do. I do know of him. All right, now, did... I have seen him as an action hero. Now, here's the thing. Are you actually able to hear sound bites over the phone? Or are we still we'll, in the we'll are, this house of lies business no, where you're placating No, I never me? know. It's always a surprise. All right, I'm going to play you just a little test audio. Tell me if you can hear this. No. No? Silence. All right, All right. that's great. So do we know uh, why Lisa <laughs> can't hear us? Sarah? Maybe you could do an impression of the audio. Right again. All right, hold on. Let me uh, try this again here. Let okay. Me just, uh... Yeah, got the Christmas. All right, okay, there you go. I'm just going to play. I don't have time to play the whole thing it's like five minutes long. Here's just a little bit of actor Christian Bale on the set of Terminator Salvation. Take your ass. I want you off the set, you there you go. That's just a little sample. Wow, who is he talking to exactly? He's talking to the director of photography. By the way, know that that goes on for three and a half minutes, and it just keeps escalating. And at one point, you actually hear him clambering over a bunch of equipment as he is, quote, threatening to kick the guy's effing ass. So, wow, yeah, right it's, on. Uh, it's wonderful. It really is. Uh, it's quite something. And, I would, you don't, you know, and you don't see him apologizing. No, I'd set aside a few minutes, really, just to uh, sit back with a cup of chai tea and enjoy that. Right, but, but I mean, you got to give it, you know, I would think you would like that, that he's not like, oh, I, I'm so, it was so irresponsible. I know I'm a role model. It really is. Uh, it, but it, he's going, he seems to be going with it. It's like he was simultaneously channeling that Casey Kasem thing about the dead dog dedication <laughs> and then Bill <laughs> O'Reilly screaming about how the teleprompter isn't working. <laughs> One of the best audio clips ever. Yeah. Do it live! <laughs> Let me ask you this. Uh, am I incorrect when I say the following thing? There are now three different people associated with the Barack Obama administration who have admitted to not paying their taxes. Three top levels. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's not one, not two, well, actually yeah. three. Yeah. Well, we don't know exactly what the deal is uh, with the latest, you know, with the woman who was going to essentially be the... Um, kind of guru of uh, keeping the government in line, uh, Nancy Killifer. Uh, we're not sure exactly what her problem was yet. We know it has probably something to do with uh, she hired one or more people as nannies or domestic help, and she didn't seem to pay the unemployment tax on that. It, it, we're, we have, that hasn't gotten shaken out yet, but we know it's an unspecified tax issue. And she's out. And now the the trick here, the lesson at home for everyone is, if you're going to have a problem and you're going to try and get one of the highest offices in the land uh, at, the, at the White House, you want to be the first guy up. That that is the lesson. You want to get out ahead of everybody else with tax problems, and then you might get confirmed, which is what happened to Tim Geithner because arguably his problems were the most egregious. He he really should have known. He's a financial guru, and he he just was not paying his income tax at all. These other ones, we don't know what this latest one is with Killifer, Tom Daschle. You know, it depends on your take. You could argue that it it could have been an innocent mistake, but. You know, too bad. Tim Geithner's already gone through. He's the one, you know, that got the, I guess he got the, what do they call it? I haven't watched Survivor in so long, but he got the idol. You know, the he got the immunity idol and somehow made it, and the other two, forget it, you're out. The, 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 you know, the weird thing about it is, is like you would think at some point, like if you were the Obama folks and you were going to be looking at these people that come into your administration, you would just say, you'd pull them aside and do them and go, look, 
Have you hired an illegal as a nanny, and did you pay your taxes? Please, for the love of God, just right. tell us now. Well, remember, they had that incredibly long questionnaire that they all had to fill out. That was a question on there. And I think they may have answered, uh, you know, whether they had hired someone, but it, apparently it wasn't, you know, question 18 point, you know, 18 Sub-question E, did you pay, uh, pay unemployment tax? I just, I can't even, ima- I can't imagine that there wouldn't be a question like, are, do you have or have you had egregious or outstanding tax issues? Yes or no? And like, right. you no know, puts you right in the B pile. You Which know what I mean? Is what happened with Geithner is that Geithner, in, 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 in filling out this application and stuff, said, yes, actually, I have had this issue and here's what it is. And, and they said, oh, you still have to pay more those back taxes that you didn't, you, you need to pay those and pay them and then we're set. But with Dashiell, he didn't. He apparently didn't tell them. He wasn't sure how much of an issue is. That's what he says. He, he didn't know if this chauffeur that he was getting was something that he needed to claim on his tax form. So he didn't. He didn't tell the Obama administration until just recently, when he says his accountant, you know, came back and said, "Yeah, this is this is a problem." You know, some somewhere Lonnie Guineer is smiling and wondering if she can get a, if she can get a reprieve. You know what I mean? Some sort of a. Uh, well, what's what's so amazing about this is that you know there are a million problems that a nominee for high office could have tons. You know, they could have problems with your 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 marriage. You know, you could be hiring a hooker at the Mayflower Hotel, all kinds of stuff. But it's amazing that they've all had this similar problem. And you know, my I've told you guys before, my phone number here at the Capitol is one digit removed from three other senators main line mm-hmm. and my phone is ringing off the hook and there's people who are dialing me by mistake who are so angry over all of this that they, they don't even know what to do and it, you know it's difficult for me because i'll ask them hey why are you calling because i'm interested and then it is tough getting those people off the phone it is very difficult to have them stop talking because they are so mad about this situation uh, you know just uh you know between that and the fact that uh rob Lagojevich is going to be on david letterman tonight it's just uh I'm it's a big it's a big day so glad for the electronic so, media. And i have to think that in some part you know dashel is i think is really kind of the guy getting punished for a lot of other people's sins now not to say that he's blameless he obviously has some problems but i think yeah. this has been frustration over Tons of problems in Congress, corruption on both on all sides. You know, you also got how about Charlie Rangel? You know, he's got tax problems, but he's not in any trouble at this point for them. And I think all of this is just brewing up into a big ball of anger. And Tom Daschle is just came along right as that ball was rolling down the hill. Excellent. On that on that beautiful uh, metaphor, we will uh, we will have to skedaddle at this point. Yes, so thank you, thank you. Enjoy your day. We'll talk to you soon, later. Okay, bye. All right, there you go. All right, fantastic. Hello. All right. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you? I know you were trying to say something during the call, uh, but I was doing that thing of listening with one ear. So I don't understand. Like, I don't... I hate email because... Someone has just called the warm line. Who might that be? It's going to be Ed McCarthy, but... Uh, so, I don't understand, because Tyler... <clears throat> it's funny, his name is Tyler Moody, because he can be a bit moody, so sometimes he's, like, being serious with me, sometimes he's joking, and I can't tell, so I'm just like, hey, if, if Steve isn't available, you know, who else is available this afternoon? And I'm just... And he's just like, I'll have Ed... To, well, to whom... So I'm speaking to Ed right Ed, now about... What, so what am I... Let's find out, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome to the Rick Emerson Show from the South. What a scheduling kerfuffle here today. Oh, how are you, Rick? What's going on? I'm okay. Sarah, oh, I is just, that what you're asking me? No, just, I'd like to uh, just take a moment, Sarah. I'd just like to soothe you with a little bit of... Take your f- Yes, it's very soothing. I want you off the f- set, you f- There you go. All right, just, uh, just internalize that and then just uh, in through the nose, out through the mouth. 
How are you today, Ed, on a, on a scale of 1 to 10? On a, a scale of 1 to 10, probably about a 9. All right. Because I just got back from a week off, so. Well, there you go. Where does, where does Ed McCarthy vacation? Is this just at the palatial McCarthy mansion? And I'll tell you, you know, we went up to uh, New England uh, for a few days, saw my brother-in-law, and we... Uh, Got stuck in a big snowstorm in Maine. He's up in Maine, and then we took the Amtrak down to uh, the Celtics game. We went down two nights in a row. We saw the Celtics, and we saw the Bruins the next night. So uh, a hockey game and a basketball game, and just a little fun. It was nice. I like the idea that you're actually doing sort of a, you know, sort of like a sports tour. You know what I mean? It's like when, the last time my wife and I went to New York. My wife and I went to New York, and we had this whole thing set up. We looked at a map beforehand, and I swear to God, we actually spent about three days. And we just laid out, like, what was the maximum number of pizza establishments we could hit in a 72-hour period? It just, well, that's Italian restaurants, you name it. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that was... Restaurants, and, that has to be part of the itinerary. But this was actually specifically, it was only pizza. That's all it was. It was just it, one, it, we started at Lombardi's, which is actually the, the uh, it is the oldest, and it's the oldest currently uh, functioning uh, pizza establishment in America. It was actually, uh, they opened it like 1902 or something. Yeah, so it's very I'm, old, very old. Um, hey, so I wanted to ask you, we did, uh, talked about a couple things on this program that have sort of, there's now this confluence, because Richie Bristol, who was our intrepid PA, came in a while back, and he'd, so revolting, but he'd made a bunch of eggs for breakfast one day, and he brought them in here to work, and then he forgot about them. Fast forward to like a week later, he, brings in, he brings in some additional eggs for breakfast, puts them in the fridge, then goes to the fridge later, and the eggs from like 10 days ago and the eggs from like that day then got mixed up together Ooh. in a big, and he couldn't remember which were which, so he just decided to eat all of them. And then he spent the next day or so wondering if he'd gotten salmonella. So, because there's this whole thing where, I mean, it's in like it's in like 35 states or something now, the salmonella thing, right? Yeah, it really is. It's growing. And, uh, you know, all the finger pointing that's going on right now is uh, pretty amazing. We had another big grocery store chain pull off some stuff yesterday. And I swear, I was in a place yesterday, and they were going up and down the aisle with walkie-talkies, and I can't swear to this, but they mentioned something, and they said, that's not for sale. Wow. <laughs> Which kind of gave me the impression that they were yanking something off the shelves, you know, clandestinely, and they didn't want anybody to know what was going on. But uh, Oh, you don't you want know. to hear that. That's like, when, that's like when your dentist says something like, oh, that shouldn't be there. Yeah. <laughs> or like Isn't when you're the worst. You know, you're sitting there and you're getting your appendix taken out or something, and somewhere in your subconscious you hear the phrase, "Am I missing a sponge?" I don't know. I can't. I, I thought I had five sponges. I only see four. That's yep. okay. Well, you know what? Well, we just sewed him up. He's got the sponge inside. I guess we'll. I guess we'll find out if it's in there. Okay. Well, let's just uh, yeah. Let's stitch him up and get out of here. All right. So this peanut uh, thing with the peanut butter is is really an unbelievable mess because now we're going to have all kinds of lawsuits out there. We've got the um, state of Georgia that uh, apparently had been doing the inspections at this place, and there were just a, a litany of abuses. They, they have so many long lists of things that went wrong that you wonder how it all slipped through the cracks. A litany of abuses is a thing I don't wish to have at a factory that is uh, that are making foodstuffs. How I mean, the heck could you do that? I mean, uh, now, who's asleep at the switch? Is it the state of Georgia or is it the feds or both? The best part, by the way, I was looking at the, at, uh, the list of said uh, abuses, and one of them was that they were storing, I'm trying to remember this exactly, one of them was that they were storing, I believe it was toxic chemicals of some variety, but they were in just like unmarked spray bottles that were right next to like I don't know like like bottles of water or something like there was there was some there was some sort of 
benign substance that you were supposed to spray into one of the foods to sort of keep it, uh, I don't know, to keep it from sticking to the, you know, to the, to the oh. stirring equipment or whatever. But then right next to that was, what's that? Well, that's just, uh, that's just ammonia filled with cancer, you know, or whatever. It was just, but they were keeping them right next to each other on the shelf. So they had all of these unlabeled bottles that were being used. And you'd think, you know, that's the sort of thing that you might, you know, have a, you might have a second look at and think perhaps that will cause us issues down, down the road. I swear that is what has kept us alive over the years is that we just did not know half of this stuff. Exactly. Because now i got to sit at home and i got to look at everything in the cupboard and go, you know what it is? It's like over the weekend, I didn't really talk about this, but over the weekend I got, I had like some stomach issues, a little bit of a stomach upset. And so I was working my way backward, like that retracing my steps thing to try to figure out what I might have, you know, if it was a stomach bug or if it was something I'd eaten that had made me uh, sick. And so last night, and it, here's what it had come down to. My wife and I had had fundamentally the same thing to eat on Friday, you know, she and I both, and then she and I had essentially the same dinner on Saturday. But the only difference is there was this jar of jalapeno stuffed olives that I had had. Ooh. That was the only thing that I had had that she hadn't. And so last night I was sitting here looking, and it was fairly pricey. It was like $7. So I'm looking at the $7 jar of olives, and there was about three-quarters of it left. And I was thinking to myself, all right, now on the one hand, this is the only thing I ate that Lara didn't, and I did get kind of sick. On the other hand, this was a $7 jar of olives. On the third hand, I have no proof that it was the olives that made me sick. It could have just been a stomach bug. Could have just been something I picked up. Could have just been that I was, uh, you know, just feeling weird for no real reason at all. Yeah. Is erring on the side of caution worth throwing out this, like, $7 olive jar. Well, that's like everybody, you know, what do you do? Throw out anything you have that has peanut butter in it? Uh, you know, that's why everybody's checking those recall lists. And so, by the way, I just ate the entire jar last night. <laughs> Are you okay <laughs> today? I'm fine today, but I was thinking, like, you know what? Most of it's something else. I'm going to skip to the bottom of the page. If I'm going to get sick, I'm going to get sick right now, and I'm not going to dilly-dally. I'm going to eat all of it. So I ate the remaining olives. I'm fine, just FYI. I'm so. not blowing that 7 bucks. No, seriously. <laughs> as, Chris, as Chris Rock's dad would say, that's $6 worth of olives. Don't you throw that out. <laughs> Uh, on that note, my friend, have a fantastic day, Ed. Okay, Rick, right, take there care. You go. That's wonderful. There you go. That's Ed McCarthy. All right. I'm waiting for Sarah to come back into the studio. She's back now. All right. I'm going to get a couple of these calls, and then we're, then we're going to take a break. And we're going to come back with Don Taylor. What are you and doing? Then, hello, Sarah. How are you today? I'm doing well. All right. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be shushing you uh, no. during Ed McCarthy's call. No, it's okay. Now. It's just frustrating. And then I sometimes I feel like you're patronizing me because I have to take the, you know, the poop end of the stick whenever things go awry. I'm not, I, I'm not patronizing you. I, uh, I know. Because so so those... he wrote me and he's just like, oh, well, Ed will call in to say hi. And I'm like, and I didn't know if he was serious or not. So I'm like, okay, are you serious? So for those, for those who don't know what we're talking about here, so the, so the, the back story to this is that, uh, you know, we, we go to CNN radio you know, we deal with CNN Radio to, to book all of the CNN folks, just like Lisa or Ed or Jim Roop or whatever. And sometimes there can be uh, confusion. A kerfuffle. There can be a little bit of a, yes, there can be uh, a little bit of um, miscommunication and uh, dissonance with the folks at CNN who are doing the guest booking. And then occasionally somebody will not be available at the last minute or somebody is available but at a different time and we get a last minute notice about it and sometimes we run long and then Sarah gets and, – and so Sarah, though, is like the flak jacket. Sarah just gets all of the uh, – Sarah gets all the scolding because as the talent, I managed to avoid all of that because I'm like, I don't know, Tyler, I have people for that. I uh, If my girl booked it incorrectly, I uh, you have my apologies. Okay. If you say something about me being your pinky, you know, I will hurt you. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like I, I – uh, 
Of course, I'm exaggerating for the purposes of comedy, but I but but I know that you're the one who gets all the gets all the grief for it because I'm just over here, you know, jawing away on the microphone. So during Lisa's call, Sarah was attempting to talk to me about how Steve Kastenbaum wasn't available, but we were going to try to get McCarthy. But then who really knew? And so I did this thing of this is all this all happened like within the last six minutes just now. So I was doing this thing of. Turning my microphone off, taking one ear of my headphones off to talk to you while listening to Lisa. So it's like I'm having to process what you're saying, but then I have to wait for pauses. I have to wait for silence in the other earphone so that mm-hmm. I know Lisa's done talking. So I can kind of go, no, that's totally true, whatever it is you just said. And then we brought it to Ed McCarthy. And as we're talking to Ed McCarthy, Sarah's like, you're gesturing me that you you, know, you had something else to say, but I, I just realized that I was just going to work myself into a real bad corner if I was, again, trying to have two simultaneous conversations. Mm. So I didn't mean to be shushing you as such. No, it's okay. It's just like whenever I'm, you know, not frustrated, but I mean just trying to get a point across. And then when someone, like, because you do this thing where you just look at me like, I was trying to, you know, that, that exhale. Thing, that's like, that is the thing that makes me ex- Exactly opposite of calm. When I try to, when I tell you to calm down. Exactly. Right. Like if someone tells me to calm down, that's the thing that that pushes my butt, my my not calm down button. All right. Well, what if I were to, what if I were to tell you? Take your no. I want you off the f- set, you. P- sorry. No, okay, don't just be house. sorry. Think for one f- second. If I were just to, uh, let me just sort of put that in the system. It's sort of. <laughs> a, all right. Well, I apologize. I mean. No, you have nothing to apologize for. No, it was just a confusing situation. I just, you know, my whole thing is. Like, poor Ed McCarthy is just the nicest guy. He was. I, I saw that he was on hold, and I thought, oh, God, I don't want Ed McCarthy to have to say it. You know what it is? It's like, it's, like, it's like when the kid has to hear mom and dad fight. And I know that you and I aren't, weren't fighting as such, but there was a little bit of uh, yeah. confusion about seeing. Well, I was I like, oh, God. I was supposed to give you all the information, and all I got was from Tyler was, Ed's calling in to say hi. <laughs> That's what I was trying to tell you, because you're like, what's he telling you? I'm like... And so I wrote back to him, I'm like, are you serious? All right. Well, fortunately, I, I, found the, I found the prep sheet. He was talking about the Samadella thing. And so, you know, that's always funny. So, all right. It's hilarious. It's the best day ever. Yeah, we have some more food recall stories. Really? Do we? Oh, right. boy, do You know, we. the story I have is... Uh, Take your f***ing ass! Yeah. All right. It's 503-733-2970. All right. So here's what we've already had today in the program. We've had three and a half minutes of Christian Bale melting down, 90 seconds of Bill O'Reilly melting down. Sarah had to bowl next to an ex-boyfriend last night. Um, uh, we've already had at least, uh, two dust-ups with CNN today. We haven't even gotten to the news hour, so it's all very exciting. Oh, and we need to talk about Richie last night, too. Well, see, I, well, I, who was we? You and I? See, I wasn't there. Me and Richie, probably. What is... Richie and I. Was there a problem with Richie last night? Take your f***ing ass! You know how Richie's, like, you know, all of these, like, happy and giddy and everything? Richie is a jubilant fellow most of the time. I think that this, that this weight loss slash, you know, becoming muscle man's kind of getting to him. Is somebody uh, is somebody on the juice, do you think? I'm saying that somebody, you know, Richie's usually fun-loving and, you know, he's always just happy. And he was freaking out last night as he was drinking his protein shake. He's like, I haven't, my, friend, my friend Chug, who's on the team with us, and I, Chug and I are both like, what's going on with Richie? Because he was so getting so angry. And like yelling about stuff on the bowling team. Skin getting a greenish tinge so to it. He's sitting there and he has this protein powder and he's putting his protein powder like he's gently tapping it like it's like the world's finest drugs into his um into this water bottle and he's like rapidly shaking everybody's like, You gotta taste this protein shake, sir, it's really good. You gotta try this mega carb powder bulk up formula. I was like, What are you eating for dinner? He's like, Oh no, this is my dinner. This is my dinner. It was like a, a protein shake that was about that much of a water bottle. I'm just like, if you don't eat, I'm like, Richie, you've got to eat. What do you mean he was tapping out the, the powder, though? Like, he had a water bottle. He didn't have anything to mix it with. So he had, like, a piece of paper folded in half, you know, 
uh-huh. like that, and then he had a bunch of powder, and so he was there. And this is pro- you're sure this is protein powder? <laughs> it looked not like it was protein powder. People were looking at him like, what is he doing? Did you, did you find it folded up in a little thing in the in the bathroom trash later? All right, that's. Oh, uh, no, I just wanted to. Is he? Is the thing with? Is he just not eating, and is he just subsisting solely on like protein, whatever? Hold on a second. We should Let's, find out. Richie, can you pick your? No, I'm sorry, that's my. <laughs> Richie, can you uh, join us in the studio? That'd be great. Oh, we've got to get to these calls. We've got people who've been at home for like an hour. I feel like a jerk. All right, well, let's get some of these, and then we'll talk to Richie Bristol. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick Emerson. Hello, sir, Dylan. How are you? Hello. Uh, you probably got my email about uh, zombies in Costco, where it's, you know, just like everybody else is saying, it's a bad place to go, probably because everybody else is going to want to be going there, and you're going to have to deal with all the uh, horrendous survivors. And Somebody was saying that really, people. to make the Costco useful during the zombie apocalypse, you have to kill everybody who's already in there. Yeah. yeah. I sent you another email that just says, uh, don't you listen to AZ, go to Ross Island. Uh, no, see, that's a bad idea. And look, Aaron and I have already gone around and around about this, about about using Ross Island during the zombie apocalypse. And he knows that I take issue with the fact that the survivors do that. But you know what? That's uh, that's his boggle. That's between him and the undead. So. All right. Well, special ever. Thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, hey guys. Hey, Hello. Hi. I think the whole Costco thing is, is just mute. Um, it's mute? Mute? Uh, mute. <laughs> no, really. I mean... But what about the uh, but what about the issue of forklifts? <laughs> well, forklifts are handy, but I really think that Blind Mart is the better solution anyway. Because it's never... next to because it's next to Spooky's Pizza. No, no, no. They've got guns, ammo. They have guns at Blind Mart. Yeah. Mm. All right, fair enough. What about windows facing the outside? Okay, very few. They're they're all built like bunkers, a lot like Costco. Mm-hmm. And the really cool thing is, is that the exit doors. That's where they always put the ladders, just above the exit door. So you just run in, you grab the ladders, slam them down, you got yourself instant barricade. Yes, they even yes. have a little little security guard cubicle right at the entrance. You know, I mean, it's really it's set up. I mean, you got your camp, camping goods, you got you got everything you need a buy market. Mm-hmm. It's, you know. All right. Well, you know, I have to do like some sort of a recon trip to a buy market clearly with a with a camera and, and scope it out. But I'll okay. Oh. I'm going to put that down as a tentative yes, and then I'll look into it. Okay. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Right, there you go. Uh, hello, Richie Bristol. How are you? Good. Right. So, I'm good. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, whatever. He's all, are you on juice? All right. Yeah, do I look like I'm on juice? Calm down. Uh, <laughs> seriously. Okay. You're really, you, seri- no, no lie, I wasn't going to say anything about this. You really are a little twitchy the last couple of days. Um, I wasn't going to make any observation about this, but since you already brought it up via email during the break, uh, normally, just for the sake of, of smoothness and flow and so everything isn't chaotic, there's kind of a structure to how we start the show, where I play an opening clip, Dream Theater, I come on, hello, howdy, you know, uh, introduce Sarah, she comes on, and then we introduce you, you come on, hello, howdy, and then we go to a break, or whatever. Last couple of days, though, it's like as soon as the music starts, like out of the gate, before I say anything, you just leap right onto the microphone, which is, um, I would say, first of all, as uh, Christian Bale would tell you, uh, hierarchy and protocol have to be respected. Take your f- ass! <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I haven't said anything about it, because I thought maybe it was just a phase you were going through, but... Really, the last few days you're just you're like jumping out of your skin, man. And Sarah says you were all cranked up at the uh, bowling thing last night. Always like the silly, you know, guy who keeps the team in line. And last night, because our team always takes so long to bowl. Like everyone else was done by nine, we got done at like nine forty-five. Mm-hmm. And so we had five players, they had four. So Richie was the first player, and people kept asking Which Richie. I'm never going to be first again with drunk people. Okay. Somebody's interrupting and not letting somebody else speak. So anyway, we were just like tra- trying to keep it going, but um, you know, you wanted to keep it balanced so that the same team, so like they're one, two, three, four, or right. one, two, three, four, five. 
And so he started throwing like a fit. It was so uncomfortable. He's like, oh, you know what, you guys? No, I'll just bowl right now. I'm going to go up there and bowl, and then that way somebody else can bowl so we can just get this night over with because that's what we need to do is just get it over with. And his face turned really red, and he's drinking a protein shake. And I'm like... It didn't seem like like lovable Richie Rochelle. Uh, so, Richie, would you say that this at all jives with reality? No. What if we were to ask another person? Maybe if we I, go call Chug. And I'm not. They're all. They were all drunk and drinking. They're I all had two PBRs over the course of three and a half hours. There's two sides to the story, and there's I understand, but there's also my side. Now, is it possible? I mean, I'm just asking because I wasn't there. Is it possible? That uh, that Richie being the sober one and everybody else doing drinking to whatever degree that maybe uh, that well I'm just saying that maybe Richie's efficiency was viewed as belligerence. No, I was belligerent for a minute on purpose. But I mean, but you but you disagree that you were sort of grumpy and twitchy. I got grumpy and twitchy because I've I don't I don't I don't notice you've been grumpy the last couple of days, but I would say that you seem a little um, you seem a little uh, not aggro, but you you do seem very sort of. Um, Kind of anxious, like a sort of oh, like a lot of energy sort of coming out. Well, of sort you're of not like, yeah. food, and all you're doing is taking all those protein shakes. And I see your billions of you know pills that you take. Yeah, what is with that? You're taking like a. I, I wasn't even I even thought about that, but you've okay, taken well, like a fistful of pills. You're like my grandmother. Uh, amino acids, uh, glucosamine, glutamine. Are you actually having uh, actual food at any point during the day? Yes. How many calories a day are you consuming? Roughly 2,200. Mm, really? Honestly, 2,200 calories a day. How much exercise? Uh, tonight, five hours and Okay, well, that, but that's your problem right there is you can't be having, uh... No, yesterday he was down on himself, too, and he was grumpy when he got to bowling because he only exercised for two hours. Okay, but see, even I know One that hour, because I had a meeting, so... But I even know. I know that that's a bad idea, because the 1,200, like, your thing of 1,200 calories a day, people say, you only need 1,200 calories a day, but that's like if you're doing nothing. That is if you are... Le- if you are in a hospital because you got broken legs and you're laying in the bed all day doing nothing, you need 1,200 calories just to exist. Like, just your body existing for a day... Just your body functions, not moving. You're to lay in bed all day. That's 1,200 calories. Yeah, but Even moderate exercise d- takes you to 2,000 uh, 2, calories a day. If you're exercising for like four hours a day and you're having 2,200 calories, you have a calorie deficiency, Richie, which can lead to personality changes and mood swings. <laughs> and you know it's true. But I'm having uh, over 100 calories, I mean 100 uh, grams of protein, and that's under... Like only three hundred. Yeah, but if your total calories. calorie, I can't believe we're having this discovered. <laughs> no, but I'm getting you know, like women having a calorie count. But I'm getting protein. I'm getting my vitamins. I'm getting all the nutrition. Yeah, I need. But that's but, low calorie protein. But if you're but if you if your finite calorie count is only two is only twenty two hundred, that's you're still operating at a deficiency yeah. for the day. That's why you lose weight. Yeah, but you're not supposed to operate at a at a huge deficiency. You're supposed to burn slightly more calories uh, than you take in. No, then you gain weight. No. No, that's wrong. If you're bur- calories in, calories out. If you burn more calories than you take in, you lose weight. Yeah, but the, but the disparity isn't supposed to be huge. In other words, you're supposed to you're supposed to have X number of calories and burn just slightly more than that. Like, what does your trainer think about you losing so much weight in such a small period of time? It's great. Well, like if you're because <laughs> you can't, but you can't. I'm be, doing it right though. My, I mean, but I you're not supposed to be like burning off like half the calories you take in. Is my point. I mean, if you're only taking in 2,200 calories and you're burning off you know, a thousand calories, like that's that that then takes you below what your body actually needs to function properly, which in turn makes you <laughs> crazy. So I'm not saying you are. I wasn't there last night. I'm just the, there does seem to be a general sort of. Um, well, to be fair, I'm, it's only Sarah at the moment, but it, Sarah said that there was a sort of general assent. No, you know, I were, know Richie no, very well. I love him dearly like a brother, but... But they're not looking at other aspects of the things. Like, uh, I was being rushed. 
I was going, hurry up, go, 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 pull, 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 pull. Meanwhile, somebody goes and gets their dollar hot dog bought for him while we sit and wait. And somebody else goes and pays their That was in the third bill. game. And we don't say anything. Yeah. We just relax and we're having a good time. But then Richie's standing right there with his ball waiting for somebody to go. He's got to go, 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 go. And everybody jumped on me. Everybody. Hurry up, go, Richie. No, it's okay to go wander into the bar and get a drink. But it's not Richie to stand there. So is this now? So which again leads me. First of all, you, look, I wasn't there last night, but I'm saying, it sounds like Mr. Hand is becoming Mr. Fist very slowly uh, as we have this discussion. But secondly, it does sound ever so slightly as though part of this was though the, you know what it is? It's like people who are taking cigarette breaks versus people who are not. Mm. And I do recognize that there is a disparity. And usually, and I often am in, in like the sole sober guy in a room. So I do understand that people are got to get up. They go to get a rip, fresh, freshen up their drink. They got to get a beer, or whatever. And, you know. And then if you're not drinking, you know, you're not doing any any of that. But I wouldn't say you seem ever so slightly edgy about the whole thing today. How are you sleeping? Are you getting a lot of sleep? Yeah, this weekend I didn't get much sleep. That's, that's what I'm stemming it to. All right. I had like five hours sleep this weekend. Yeah, you gotta not do. I, I mean, I'm no scientist or nothing, but it doesn't seem like you can be working out for four hours a day and only having 2,200 calories, and then also only sleeping for five hours over the weekend. It seems like all work and you know nothing of anything else makes Richie an angry boy. Mm-hmm. Well, I said yesterday horrible. Remember, you asked me how my weekend was. I said, yeah. Well, okay. I'm just saying. Things Actually, like I that. went. Ugh. <laughs> See, but right there, just the fact that how are you, Richie? Angry? Smash! Ugh. All right. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. How's it going, guys? What's up? Hey, um, you were talking about that stupid person the other day in England. Unfortunately, I missed the story, but I have a, uh, another one for what you stu- today. What stupid person in England, sir? <laughs> you were talking about how you know society's coming to an end. You know, oh, yeah, they're removing, were... yeah, they're removing apostrophes from Birmingham street signs because, quote, apostrophes are confusing to people. That's awesome. Yes. That is awesome. Good old public education. Well, today I, I drive a tanker, and I was delivering to a shell station in Beaverton, I was turning into it, and I kid you not, I had a person within inches of running into the side of my truck, 80 feet of truck, and they almost ran into the side of it. Mm. I'm just like, wow. And that would have been like a big... Now, here's the thing. If you're driving a, a tanker, this is what this is gas, just regular gas? Yes. So what if somebody... I always wonder about this time I see one of those trucks, because you, like, you see this in an action film where the gas truck turns sideways and then immediately, <laughs> ball of flame. Is there... I, how do I put this? If a guy just hit you in like sort of a normal, like an SUV, just hit you in a normal, ordinary traffic accident, meaning like it wasn't going 100 miles an hour, but he was going, let's say, full speed, hit you, is that enough for your truck just to go up? No, no. And actually, an empty truck's more dangerous because it's full of vapors. I mean, they right. you might have a spill. It might, you know, if they knock the pipes off the bottom, you're going to have a spill, but it's not going to blow up. What do they say? T- if you're in an accident, what, if you're driving a gas truck and you're in an accident, do they tell you just to like get out of the freaking truck and run? Um, yeah, depends on the accident. You know, like, we've had trucks just catch on fire for electrical or, you know, whatever. And, uh, they just say, just run, 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 and don't stop. Run like the wind. Here's, uh, here's another dumb question. I know this sounds a little silly, but would you know if your truck was on fire? In other words, if you're driving a gas truck, you know, tanker truck, and one of the tanks catches on fire or there's like a spark and the gas starts to burn, would you, if you're up in the cab driving, would you even know? Yeah, well, if you're a competent driver, you check your mirrors all the time, so you're looking. You see the smoke. And, and, and usually people, you know, come up and start flashing their lights, and, and there's all, your all eyes Your truck is on fire! Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. Best show ever. All right, thank you, sir. Stay safe. Bye-bye. All right, there you go. All right.
You know what we should, what I'd like, uh, and, and I don't know if we have somebody. I mean, we do have somebody uh, out there like this, but I don't know if we have somebody uh, that we, you know, on, on hold and some looking at the calls. Um, is, is sort of a um, like somebody who knows about health or a personal trainer or whatever, just to just to back me up on this business that that you're. I'm just wondering if Richie is pushing his body too far. I'm just thinking we've known Richie for years. I'm saying there is a definite personality change. And it isn't just mild irritation because people were drinking or getting hot dogs or having cigarette breaks or whatever. Like, it seems like an irrational reaction. You don't have raisin testicles, do you? Remember last year when uh, Zinn got on me, do you? No. What do you mean? Remember? No. Zinn. When he was yelling at I know they w- yeah. Yeah. wouldn't mean he were to, ah, well, see, same, well, but, same reaction. Same but you thing. have a different relationship with, you know, uh, the, the <laughs> with Chug, no, with Chug and I than you do with Zinn. And, like, if if you realize how, how bad maybe Zinn made you feel. When no, ask Chug. I, I exploded on him last year. So do you just take the bowling thing? Let me ask you this. Is it, po- is it possible you just take the bowling thing way too seriously? No, it's when. Are you ultra competitive at this media bowling night? It's when people don't know what's going on and they're. Drinking and consuming alcohol, and see, you know what? You're, you're so keep... self-righteous now because you know what? You used to be the biggest drunk, and now you're always talking about. I know, the but drinking, when you the drinking, when, the drinking, but Richie, when like, you don't know what's going on, there's a purpose. You know, there, you figured it out after I explained it to you. You know, there's two you teams me, bowling. Like, Am I supposed to be playing good person? or bad? And I, you just weren't giving me a straight answer. Just play your game, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the pace of the game. You have two teams playing. You don't have two teams go back to back. But it keeps going back to the drinking thing. Like it seems like you're being very self-righteous on KCMD Portland about <laughs> about the drinking thing. Like it's like, oh, now I'm better. No, but you know, Rick knows what I'm talking about. But let me let me get this out for a second. You when keep... one person's sober and you have a bunch of people intoxicated and everybody's trying to organize stuff, it's Okay, I don't People understand are... what you're talking about. Like, I know Chug had his like usual shots and stuff. I had two PVRs. Lisa Wood had one drink. Her husband had one drink. We're not intoxicated. Well, I'm standing at the podium with my ball waiting for the next person, and yet I'm getting yelled at by three people to hurry up and go. Well, that's under- the majority of the team. Because let's I mean, go. Let's, well, go. let's go. I don't well, understand who you were waiting for. Who, well, hold on. Who were you waiting? Nothing. Who were you waiting for? What were you waiting on? You know, there's two lanes, and one person's next to the lane. You don't bowl while that person's up bowling, right? I always hear that that's the case, but is that you really the case? Yeah, yeah, that's etiquette. You don't oh, pass okay. the person. If they go and approach, they have their ball, well, okay. getting their ball. So you want to be distracted. You want to be in the peripheral. Right. You don't pass that person up, and I'm standing there waiting for them to finish, and then I would go, and I'm being told, go, 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 go. Now it's just like a one one time thing. Yeah, but so after that, what did I do? I went, and then I didn't wait for it to stop. I went again, really fast. Right. Okay, you want me to go? I'll go. I'll just go fast. Okay, let's go fast. And then okay. what happens is we get all backed up. But I don't understand what that means either. What do you mean you get all backed up? That sounds like some sort of a digestion. Because you have two teams going, and one team is going slower than the other because right. you have one extra team. You end up not going team, that guy, their team, our team, their team. You okay. don't end up like If I can just, okay, well, here's the thing. If I can just weigh in at this point, and I'm not disputing the fact that if you're the only sober person there, one of the only sober people there, and everybody else is drinking to whatever degree. I don't say everybody was falling down drunk. But, see, i got to say, just from my perspective, Richie, i got to be honest, this is why I don't do things like uh, like drinking sports leagues. Because it's just because it's not going to be fun. Because you're just going to be, especially if, and I know that I, and I get way too competitive. You know what, I, here's, here's an example. You know what else I don't do? I don't do trivia nights. I don't do trivia nights because you know what? I'm the only sober person there, and I get way too angry about it, and uh, and I get I, and I lose my temper, and I take it really personally. Like I and, and I, you ask my wife, she'll tell you that my wife. Let's be honest about two things. One, I know a lot of useless crap. Two, that useless crap really useful at trivia nights. But both those things are outweighed by the fact that I get uh, I get I just turn into a huge uh, dick about it. Mm-hmm. I get really obnoxious because again every, because I just wanted to move along. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. Well, and you you all have gone to trivia nights at like Portland bars. You know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And it's 
and everybody else is, you know, at one point anyway, they were smoking and drinking and having a good time, and they're sitting around, and the trivia is sort of, like, that's presumably why they're there, but really it's just an excuse to get together, right? I mean, the trivia is sort of secondary. I mean, it's just an excuse. I mean, not that everybody, people aren't doing it, but the trivia is just sort of a reason to be there and hang out with your and friends and drink. That's why I do the bowling because I love hanging out with the people. On but my see, seat. that's not, but see, not for me. See, so when I go to trivia nights, which I don't anymore, when I go to trivia nights, I'm, the, the trivia thing for me is the primary reason I'm there. I'm not there to hang out with Lara's friends because the, the, most of them, they're not bad people. They're just not my friends. They're hers. And also, I'm not there to drink. So while Lara and her friends and everybody else in the bar, they're there just to sort of, uh, you know, get together and just relax and socialize. I am there because I am Trivia Master 5000, and I am there to win, and I'm there to win big, and I'm there to win as big as I possibly can. And so I am the guy who is constantly saying, like, let's get the next question. Can we get a ruling on this? What is the answer? Let's move along. And the guy will issue a question to us. He'll say... And don't even get me wrong. Don't even get me started on if there's some sort of like a, a, a dispute with one of the answers. Lara does this thing. She'll go to trivia nights, and she will come home. And if they've lost, she'll give me a couple of the questions they didn't know to see if I knew them. And usually I do, just because I know a lot of useless crap. And then she kind of gets irritated for a moment. She's like, "Well, if you would have been there, we would have won." But then we both look at each other, and she goes, "And we would have been asked not to come back," <laughs> because I just get so uh, agitated about it. And if you add to that the fact that I am sitting at the table totally sharp, totally focused, just because I'm sober and I'm, I'm very into it and I'm very ultra-competitive about it. But everybody else is, A, not as competitive, and B, a little lubed up from the booze. And you have just this recipe for irritation where everything they do is getting on my nerves and nothing is moving fast enough. Um, so it sounds to me, but, but so as a result, I don't go anymore. So if you're going go to go to like a bowling thing, where the bowling, look, it's not like you're Bill Murray and Kingpin or something. If you go into this, the whole point is for everybody just to get together and hang out and drink. So uh, it, but, it but seems like it's a little, it, it seems like it's unreasonable for you to be demanding that it go as efficiently as a normal bowling night is my thing. The thing is, they're also saying, oh, it's because I'm fighting or I'm not drinking. Last year, Mailman Chris and Chuck both rushed me and there was, I yelled at him. I bit their head off. I was drinking, and I wasn't fighting. It was the same. Even mailman Chris knows. Chris and Chuck both did the same thing. They rushed me after dilly-dallying, going well, taking was... their smoke breaks. All this. Come back from their smoke um, break. You were full, and then go, hurry too. up, Richie. See, it's like even now you're getting too cranked up about it. Is know, it possible that Richie just takes bowling too seriously? I do. I've, I mean... Two times. Was Dave's in there last night? No. No. Oh. I, I, I beat his there. head off yet last night. Or Lisa Wood was there. And I was drinking. And Lisa was on our team. All right. So let's, uh, let's ask Lisa Wood about this. Oh. Should I ask Lisa or Bridget? Sarah? Lisa. You're listening to KCMD, the talker. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Dave's in. How are you? Well, good afternoon, Rick Emerson Show. Hey, are you enjoying that, uh, that Friday the 13th documentary? I'm loving it. All right, excellent. Uh, <laughs> hey, can you patch me through to Lisa Wood, please? Yes, I can. Thank you, Bye. sir. Boy.com. KUF. KUFO. Don Taylor's probably sitting in the kitchen hating us right now, by the way. Well, now I have to leave a message. Hi, this is Lisa, promotions director for KUFO. I'm sorry that I missed your call, but please leave a message. Doesn't sound like her at all. She sounds blonde. I can. Thanks. Uh, hey, Lisa, it's Rick and Sarah and Richie. Uh, uh, whenever you uh, get a chance, will you, will you drop by the studio or give us a call? All right, thank you. All right, there you go. All right. Just for now, I'm just going to make, I feel like Judge Joe Brown and whatnot, I'm going to make sort of an initial ruling. This is just a tentative ruling. This is not my final decision here. 
but just as an independent observer, it sounds to me like you just take the, the drinking probably exacerbates it. Maybe the fact that you're, you know, not eating and working out like nine hours a day and you're just uh, subsisting on like, I don't know, like protein formula or something. <laughs> All of these things probably amp it up a little bit. But I think the root cause is just that you take the you take the bowling league way too seriously, which is fine, except that it's just it's basically just an excuse for the bunch of people to get together and booze. So, it, you know what I mean? It's like you got to just uh Oh, so we have to sort of relax about that. We can't be made to feel dirty about drinking because that's why we joined the league. And you know, know what? It sounds like you're one of those. Like I used to go, speak in high school. I used to go to school with a guy. We'd go to like the miniature golf or whatever, which is what you do with girls in high school because you're you're lame and you can't do anything good. <laughs> and like you know, you're too young to get a hotel. So you would just go to do the miniature golf thing, like in Karate Kid. And this guy I went to high school with would just take the miniature golf thing so seriously. And it, and, it, and he would. I mean, it's like you're just there basically because you're trying to kill time long enough for the girls to decide whether or not they're going to make out with you later. But the guy would get all into the whole like, like you know, like like you, like it took too many strokes to get to the hole. You have to skip this and give yourself a penalty stroke or whatever. And I'm like, Bob, it's a giant windmill. What are you talking about? And you, but he's just getting all aggro about it. Seems a little bit to me like you're doing that with this. That's just my. I sent an email out. Telling them yesterday to get as drunk as possible. Well, then you don't have any right to complain about it. I know. I'm explaining, though, exactly like how you explain when you have a lot of drunk people right. rushing the only sober guy in the house. But, but you can't encourage people to get all drunk and then be uh, irritated when drunk I'm people not are not behaving. About it. I'm just, that's one of the things that was the reason why. Oh, here we go. Right. Let's welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show, KUFO Promotions Director. And after director. all this, wasn't I fine? We were happy. Right, let's just, let's, let's, let's calm down for just a moment. Let's, we're pretty aggro. Seriously, you're aggro right now. Hold on. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Hello, Lisa Wood. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Are you recovering from your wicked hangover from how wasted you were at bowling yesterday? All I right. actually drink water because of how drunk I got Sunday night. <laughs> so, yeah, or karaoke night. <laughs> Let me just ask. In yeah. your estimation, um, was Richie unreasonably grumpy last night? Not the whole night, but you did have your moments. Like... Yeah. Like, I've bowled, you know, my whole life, and not like I'm great at it, but, I mean, I feel like I know. So you don't go, like, when someone else is bowling. But as soon as they're done, in between their second turn or whatever, you know, you can go. I was like, Richie, you're up. And you totally yelled at me. You're like, let me explain the rules of bowling to you. <laughs> yeah. I don't you see? This is Yeah, and you were, like, totally yelling at me, and I was like, whoa. And then Sarah was like, Richie. But I didn't know if you were kidding or not, and then I was like, No, he okay. wasn't. I got kind of upset because I'm like, it's just. But I, I went through that last year. Like that. Same thing. But, but you, know what? you have a different relationship with Dave Zinn than you do with like, say, Lisa Wood or my Mailman Chris and Chug. Exactly. <laughs> you were laughing and joking through it, but it just seemed like you were pissed. <laughs> like, don't rush you know. me. <laughs> well, because we were like, oh, okay, Richie, it's your turn. We didn't want to hold anybody up, you know, and I don't, I don't know. And, then, uh, and we still managed to be the last team. It just seemed kind of drill sergeant <laughs> It's so, supposed to be fun. So it seems like, uh, just again, the bottom line to me seems to be that whatever your your diet and your weird workout regimen and you're not, you know, the fact that everybody else is drinking and you're not, those all seem secondary to the fact that you just seem to take this bowling thing way too seriously. I mean, do you belong to any other bowling leagues? Nope. All right. Well, see, maybe maybe you ought to. Maybe maybe this is the time for you to look into a more serious group of bowling enthusiasts. No, because then I wouldn't be league champion. <laughs> <laughs> Two times in a row. So, so really, so you want the benefits of bowling with people who don't care all that much, uh, without any of the but hassle. But their time for them by yelling at them. Seriously, without. But you, but you don't want to take any of the hassle that comes from being the only guy there taking it really seriously. 
I just picture you like being rushed. I exploded like this last year because I was being rushed. Right, but you get penalties for not going when it's your turn. No, not when we're ahead of the other team. Not for the love of God. Seriously, it's like I'm picturing you as like the Bill O'Reilly and whatnot at the bowling lane. Do it live! You know, and And it was very like, (laughs) it was very like, like shaking your finger, you know, just, you were, you were like, let me explain the rules of bowling to you. Did you really? No, I said, let me explain Did you really? start explaining the rules of bowling to people? Bowling etiquette, yeah. To me, because I told him it was his turn, and like the girl, I think, that we were talking about earlier, like she went, and she was waiting for her ball. And so I was like, Richie, go, because he could bowl while she was waiting for her ball. And he was like, do you see this? This is the wood floor. And when she's on it, I don't go on it. (laughs) And I was like, whoa. Was that anything close to your tone, Richie? (laughs) Uh, No, it was actually our own team. Two of our own team. But I'm saying, was that tone of voice? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty bad. (laughs) Now, see, could you have just gone while she was waiting for the ball? Yeah, but it it was our own team. No, no, it was the Clear Channel no. girl, the blonde no, girl. No, their team wasn't You were too yet. drunk, Lisa. They're, I'm first. <laughs> I was drinking water. I'm I was joking. First. No, no, I'm first, and their team okay. wasn't even up yet. It Either was two way, of though. us. It would have been two of us. But you did, right? What? I did say, hey, let me explain like, the rules of etiquette bowling. <laughs> you don't pass. These are standing on the wood. You don't go past them and pass But you weren't calm. You're like, do you see that? Do you see that wood? When they're on that wood, I do not stand on that wood. I stand here with my ball until it's my yeah. turn to stand on that wood. It was clearly yelling. It sounds like there's a disproportionate amount of interest taken in the in the, the finer points of social bowling. Yeah, but I'm standing right here with my ball ready to go, and I'm being rushed to go. Meanwhile, people are running around, smoking cigarettes, getting drinks, doing all this, and I don't say a word. I'm calm I just felt bad. We're having fun, but... But yet Richie, while standing there, has to go now. And that's the thing. Well, I went off on this last year, and it's about being rushed. You bowl, nobody goes, go, go, go. No, no, no. They say, it's your turn, and then you go. All right. Well, just, we, we have, okay, well, I'm just saying, we have to take a break. But, um, <laughs> this, so much I just, so I'm, I'm just going to, my final thing is, it just my estimation of this is that, uh, just again, the root cause is that you're just like me at Trivia Nights, which is why I don't go anymore. You just take it way too seriously, and it's supposed to be a fun social event for everybody. But just like the trivia thing becomes like a blood feud uh, for me, and everyone there is my sworn enemy. Uh, <laughs> seriously, it's like I'm all doing the St. Crispin's Day speech, and and you know, just, uh, going into fitting myself with armor and you know, and a sword. Um, I would never play trivia with you. Oh, I have no friends. There are there are no friends in the trivia in the trivia night bar. Seriously, everyone falls like wheat before the sickle before me, or there is you know. It, 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 I, I, just real quick, Lara came. No, seriously, this is why I don't go. Lara came home from trivia night this last Sunday. I think it was she went to trivia, and she does the typical thing. She comes home, they lost, and she runs a few of the questions they didn't get by me. And she said, um, "So um, she said, uh, what did she ask me? She said, uh, you know, who who you know who starred in and whatever. She's like, who starred in the movie The Hitcher, the original? I'm see Thomas Howell. And she said, okay, you know, who whatever. And it was like some music question. And I do it. And she said, okay, Gazoon type." Is a combination of God. What was the what was the actual question? Gesundheit is a combination of what two languages? Mm. I think is what she said, and I believe I said German and Yiddish. Oh, I didn't no, 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 no. I said German and I said German and Hebrew. I said it's a combination of German and Hebrew. I'm trying to remember this all in my head correctly. And she said, No, 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 no. That's wrong. It's a combination of German and Yiddish, I think, oh, is exactly how it came out. Anyway, it, I'm, I'm forgetting the sort of finer points of it, but the point is, I just exploded at her, and I said, I said, no, 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 that's wrong. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, Yiddish is itself a combination of German and Hebrew. German and Hebrew together make Yiddish. And I said, therefore, it is redundant. And it's like, this is in the living room at you like 1 in the morning. looking it up? No, because, it, because, it's like, because she sort of talked me down. She was just doing a whole lot of, like, 
like uh, she was like Paul Reiser and Aliens and Sigourney Weaver. Ease down, you're grinding metal or whatever, or you know Hicks. And so we, but I like I, but I was sitting on the couch just watching television when she came home, and she throws this um, this question about language at me. And I said, no, that's that's apt. Yiddish is a combination of German and Hebrew. It's redundant to say it's a combination of German and Yiddish. That is wrong. I said, how many points did you lose by? And she goes, five. And so it didn't really matter. But I'm still like, just I'm going to write a note. You take this next week and you give it to the judge. And I realized at one point I have gotten off the sofa and I'm standing in the middle of the living room and I'm pointing at her with like the angry oh finger. Oh, my God, Rick. And, but, that's, but that's why I don't go. Does this come from you, from like someone says it need to be right or is it just because? It's not that I need to be right. It's that I am right. That's the <laughs> difference. So that's the, that's the thing. I mean, that's like the same reason. I mean, there's a whole no. story about how I wrote a letter to Parker. I wrote a letter to Parker Brothers or whatever one time because there was a trivial pursuit question it was wrong they gave the wrong answer and literally and i got online and found like wrote a strongly word email dear jackass my mom would do that uh you know and and lara said the same she's like why do you need to be right i said i don't need to be right baby i am right there's a difference oh god so which is true that's also correct but i do that too and it always comes down to let's look it up online but the bottom line is now you know who doesn't go to trivia night rick uh i stay at home lara goes out to trivia night by herself Maybe Richie needs to consider that as uh, some sort of a stopgap solution to the bowling pub. Or just find a group of people who take it as seriously as you do. I like having you there, but I actually do. Did and eat you something. Go for the because of fighting. Love of Christ. Get, I'm just going to get my average so that I can be an alternate. Then. Oh, okay. You know what it is? But, but your whole bit, like, I just wanna, I'm just in this league so I can be champion. No offense to you all, but that's like a whole lot of, I'm going to go play in the Special Olympics because I wish I had a gold oh, medal. Like, well, I'm going to abuse you while I'm there for the, the couple of times. You guys play so badly so I can get my average up, and then I can eventually uh, win the league to go, yeah, what, to go at it again next year and not have a good time again. Well, my first game was horrible. I will totally. Admit that. My first game was awesome than <laughs> yeah. the other two, which is <laughs> All right. By the way, and this and if you just avoid all of these bowling nights in the future, Richie, then we won't have to have the unpleasant conversations of the hallway. I think steroids. Or just come and have fun and be Richie the way we know Richie. I quit. No, see, I don't think it's possible. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably the best thing for all for all involved. Or come and drag. <gasps> Maybe that would Because then at least it would be funny. And you could walk in and be like, hello. Because he was getting a little more flamboyant with yeah. his speech um, pattern yesterday. He was talking about, Sarah, this is the way that we need to do I'm like, you're this... talking like that, right? Now, is this a thing, do you suppose, Richie, with the, you, as you pursue the cross-dressing? Uh, in other words, as you... Hold on, but as you pursue... That's a good point, actually, because we bowled for the Sleep Country thing oh, last yeah. year, which we're doing again this year, and you bowled and drag and everything was fine. So <laughs> let me ask you this, Richie. Is this, is this like that Star Trek episode, The Enemy Within... Um, where Kirk is split into the good and bad halves. Do you suppose that as you explore your feminine side, uh, you are just dividing into only feminine energy, only aggressive masculine energy? Alpha male and feminine. That's what I'm saying. So it's like all of your sort of, you'll forgive me, uh, but, you know, the sort of typically more feminine traits. In other words, you are uh, a little more, you know, nicer to be around and more pleasant or whatever. (laughs) That is becoming sort of isolated into one half of your brain, but the other half of your brain has just become this Hulk smash thing. Well, you have to remember the other half is also becoming an MMA fighter. But that's true, Which yeah, like, and and, you know, and it seems like, that's and, a big test and I'm not saying you're doing anything, uh, you know, sort of uh, illicit or improper, but really I do see you putting down like a fistful of pills every day and not eating and working out for like five hours. Okay, so I just got an email from a coworker oh, who no. I won't I won't name who it is. <laughs> Bridget. No, not her. Oh, I'm just trying to flush <laughs> okay. her out. They said, Richie, it's totally his lack of calorie intake that is changing his mood. I lost 45 pounds in two and a half months one summer in college and my entire personality changed. I turned into a complete psycho. Yeah. It happens. My brother used to own a jujitsu school, and you never you knew if you were going to get Knife David or or Jerk David. Like it, you know, because 
Yeah, you just do crazy things to your body. I'm uh, I'm almost done. So all right, we, oh, I think that's I think that's true. Uh, all right, let me just leave you with this parting thought. Take your f- ass! I want you off the f- set. There you go. That will never. Be Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. All right, it's Richie Bristol, ladies and gentlemen. Don Taylor next. You stay right there. Don't go anywhere. Jumped on and started without you. <laughs> totally. Oh, I have no doubt that you could have taken it, Milady. Usurp the show, Don Taylor. How are you today? Oh, Petrie, how are you? Sorry about the uh, things Bad. escalated. Sorry about the delay. My Bad. apologies. I don't wish to abuse your time. No, I, I was in the I was in the uh, in the kitchen just berating people and telling them to just get the f away from me. <laughs> Seriously. When I'm on the radio, you better not be here. The, I would say. the best, the best thing about, and I was just listening to this, uh, to the, to the o- O'Reilly thing again here. The greatest part about the O'Reilly thing, though, is just how it escalates. I mean, he starts off really cranky, but then it just escalates to nuclear, like as opposed to the the Christian Bale thing, where he starts angry and stays angry yeah. and gets a slightly angrier. The O'Reilly thing goes from confusion to apoplectic rage. Almost. Let me just a little bit of a uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, and that is up again. Five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a. I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll we'll do it live. (laughs) Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. Thing sucks. <laughs> it's so great. I can't picture what he looks like. Oh, right dude, now. you gotta watch the video because the video, first of all, is from <gasps> years ago when he was on Inside Edition, and he, so he's got a full head of hair, first of all, and he's thinner and younger, and so he just, you know, he looks. So it's like seeing a weird quasi hippie version of Bill O'Reilly, and then when he actually gets to the do it live, like he's 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 sitting behind the desk because he's anchoring Inside Edition, and he's kind of. Pointing his finger, but he sort of throws it like a like he's throwing a like a lightning bolt, Palpatine style. <laughs> and it's just it's just so great that it goes from the I just I can't I can't do it live and just right to scorched earth, Bill O'Reilly. I could listen to that all day. And I have to tell you, like us, you know, there's a take me out O'Reilly style. Somebody will call up at Tom, you take me out O'Reilly style, and they just do the meat of it, just like the ten seconds right there at the end, the, the real money section. And I could listen to that. If I have you, let me ask you this. You may or may not have ever done this, and then I swear to God, we'll start the news. (laughs) Have you guys ever uh, asked yourself, ever thought about, pardon me, thought about if you were a caller to the Tom Likas show, how you'd ask to be taken out, Sarah? No. Oh, see, I think about that all the time. I mean, you know, I'm just, and I, I've settled on. Well, because I haven't, because Likas is such a big part of my life for like five years, you know, because I would. Run it every day. You haven't really thought about it as a listener. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, I've kind of broken away from the Lycus. I'm saying for me, uh, just like FY, in case anybody was wondering about this, if I ever call uh, Lycus just as a, as a, as a you know, just as a, the guy on the phone, 
I want to be like taken out. Kristen Boy's boyfriend. Exactly. Yes. Uh, I wish to be taken out African tribal style, followed by Bill O'Reilly. That's it. Tom, take me out African tribal style, followed by Bill O'Reilly. I think I'd have to go with the classic with like the, the take me out with a bong hit, Tom, because I've heard that so many billions yeah. of times. The great thing is how there's rotating bong hits, and they and they all end with the dude saying something different. So, All right, we're stopping now. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Well, we have more recalls here in the food world. Uh, Umpqua Dairy Products of Roseburg has voluntarily recalled certain lot codes of ice cream because they could be contaminated with salmonella. Not the ice cream. The ice cream. And they were manufactured using peanuts, recalled by the Peanut Corporation of America. And Umpqua, is that that's the one with the, uh, the Indian guy and the oh, headdress guy? The peanut peanut so. of America. Yes. All right. And so... So this is what flavor of ice cream? Uh, it would be uh, Tin Roof Sunday Ice Cream. Not the Tin Roof. Uh, with UPC. Tin well, Roof. Busted. I'd tell you what the UPC codes are, but nobody's sitting there with a pen going, I have Tin Roof. Let me write this down. Uh, light Tin Roof Sunday Ice Cream. These two B-52 joke. No one here. Fine. Fine. Right. Do it live. <laughs> tin Roof. Tin Roof Sunday Ice Cream. Light Tin Roof Sunday Ice Cream. and uh, Oh, and also Tin Roof Sunday Ice Cream. Oh, I see, because in the court and in the pint. Basically, I, if it's in Rue Sunday <laughs> from Umpqua. Uh, if you have anything in your freezer, burn it. Yeah. Melt it and burn it now. My joke <laughs> My joke just now, though, was when you said tin roof, I said tin roof. Busted. I, B-52. Oh, I did not get that. Ah, uh, whatever. Uh, you ever love Shack? Right I'm all off because I've been sitting in the is it kitchen for a half no, an hour. No, it's like angry, strange day. Because you're eating 1,000 calories a day and working out for six hours? Well, I was in, in the kitchen for a half an hour listening to you guys talk about bowling on the radio, talking to, about Battlestar Galactica with Court and Fatboy. And, right. like, and, I, and I do apologize. And, and I, I hate that you were said. I'm sorry about that. Hey. There was, just, there I, was, I didn't want to bring you in in the middle of all the awkwardness. It was. Uh, I get paid the same no matter what. So. I love Check you. and mate. <laughs> wow. All right. Okay. Uh, Portland police are asking for the public's help to find a missing nine-year-old girl. Tiana Drake was last seen by her foster mother Monday morning as she dropped her off at Grout Elementary School on east southeast Holgate. The girl was apparently at school but did not attend her normal after-school program. Police believe she could be with her biological mother. Really, I have no evidence for this, but I'd be checking that uh, that apartment building near my house. I mean, just for anything. Like and that apartment for, building near your house is the the creepiest. Thing. And for any crime at all of any kind or any even suspected I'd be crime, I'd to look in the dumpsters at that apartment. I'd be I'd be <laughs> checking that place. Really, I opened that dumpster one time and it smelled like death. Ah, well, it's like it, the important thing though is like the police say that. They believe she could be with her biological mother because despite the fact that people are, are are paranoid that there's pedophiles behind every mailbox waiting to get their kid, the FBI statistics are something like 95 or more percent of child abductions are by a non-custodial parent. Totally. No, because it's always it's always somebody who feels like they've been shafted out of it. You know, the, you know, the court said that I'm an unfit mother, uh, but I'm going to prove that's not so by kidnapping my daughter in violation of the law. Not that this happened in this case, I'm just saying theoretically. By the way, uh, attention jackass who just emailed me uh, when he says, Hey, during your Yiddish-Hebrew rant, your aliens thing was wrong. It wasn't Paul Reiser. I corrected myself on the fly, friend. Uh, like five seconds after I said it, I corrected myself. So um, let's just all ease down on the aliens corrections, shall we? <laughs> all right, Jesus. Yeah, I want to share something that's news-related but isn't actually on the paper. I just 
found this fascinating. This weekend, um, I don't know, have you discovered uh, Microsoft Songsmith? Oh, I'm old school have Microsoft Songsmith. Have you been Have you been looking at the YouTube videos? Um, here's the thing. I posted on my blog uh, about three weeks ago the full four-minute Microsoft online commercial. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, I should I should clue y'all in. So Microsoft Songsmith is is first of all the best thing that's ever existed. <laughs> it is Microsoft's answer. And to be fair, it's a pretty cool piece of software. It is Microsoft's answer to Apple's GarageBand. And Songsmith is, again, it's a, it's a pretty neat idea. It's a piece of software. You hook a microphone to your computer, and then you sing into it, just an a cappella track, a song of your own creation or whatever, and it creates the backing track to accompany that vocal melody. That's pretty cool. It's a pretty great idea. But first of all, the ad that Microsoft has come up with, because they're Microsoft, and I have always known this, by the way. This isn't like the voice of some recent Mac convert. I've always known this. As Steve Jobs says, the thing about Microsoft is they just have no taste. Just none. Zero. And when they try to be funny or cool or stylish, it's just retarded. And this ad is so bad. My wife, we were, I'm like, you got to come watch this. And we got about two minutes through it. And my wife actually said, I, I feel bad for all these people. I'm embarrassed for them. Can we? And I said, no, no, no you got it. And she went to watch it all the way through. And I made her. If you go to the website now, by the way, where the promo is, they've added some stuff on the bottom, a little Q&A. It's like, people ask, is it cheesy on person? Oh, yes, we were going for a comedic infomercial. No, it's not over the top enough to be deliberately cheesy. It's just bad. By the way, in that Microsoft Songsmith uh, commercial, which you can see online, it's four minutes um, of your life, but it's it's wonderful. A, everyone in there is using a Mac. Uh, so just FYI, like if you look, everybody's using a MacBook. With stickers all over it so that maybe you won't be able <laughs> Covering to Covering the Apple thing. Um, also, the best part is when there's the guy at the sort of outdoor Starbuckian sort of cafe, and he's talking to another guy, what's that? It's Microsoft Songsmith. And then he says, Microsoft, huh? So it's pretty easy to use. <laughs> the best thing ever. Um, but I guess people have started taking acapella. I want to like no, acapella tracks. They are, and... they are, uh, they are isolating the vocal tracks from popular rock and roll songs. Yeah. Feeding them into Songsmith to see what it comes up with, then matching it back up with the original music video. Gold. Uh, am I hooked up so you can hear stuff yes. on my? I just have to play just a little bit of this and see how quickly you could figure out what song this actually is. All right. Uh, why isn't it playing? Is it, Does uh, it say that it's playing? Oh, here, here we go. It's it's doing the little twirly thing. All right. And... This, by the way, the CBS Internet connection is not like, um, it's not top of the line. But yeah, it is, it is just the, the idea. And also the music that the Songsmith does is like a cheap Casio keyboard. You, you might have to pause that and oh, let, it, uh, okay. let it catch up. Yeah, it's like, uh, I, I thought it sounded like an old school cheap Casio uh, keyboard. Uh, my husband said it reminded him of the music from early Atari video games. I could, so I could see that. I could, I could totally see that. Um, yeah, it all sounds like 8-bit computer computer uh, music. If I'd realized that it would uh, take, I would have... Uh, a- everything okay. here takes. Okay, uh, let's see if we can... Yeah, nothing here really uh, on the internet works quickly. I'm worried that it's going to catch up too fast. It's like I'm at an erasure concert. Oh, it's going to catch up. I'm a boy in Oh, wow. That's really... <laughs> wow. the, the one I heard was Running with the Devil uh, by Van Halen. 
Yeah. Uh, because there's an acapella track of David Lee Roth singing uh, Running With the Devil Floating Around. Um, Storm has that for her voicemail. Where he's, oh, yeah. 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 Um, you know what I plan on doing? And it's one of those bits that I've never gotten to. And I'm just calling dibs on it right now. I'm going to run Paul Harvey through that thing and see what it does for Paul Harvey. Somebody did one with uh, Barack Obama's speech. I See, I was thinking that. I was thinking this show. I was thinking we would just take a random segment from the news and then have a, a musical track created. Also, this, here's another thing. Uh, I planned on... It, Here's the thing I tried to do. Would you like to know something I attempted as a bit and it didn't really work? Yes. I yes. thought it was going to be much more interesting than it was. You know that auto-tune feature that, like, every hip-hop song on earth must use now? And, by the way, I, I work, uh, you know, like, we're, ne- we're down the hall from Jammin' 107.5, and then I'm directly next door to some, you know, some, you know, some offices and desks of, of people who work there. And so, you know, so, you know it kind of plays all day long. And... About, like, 88% of new hip-hop songs that come out, they all use that auto-tune thing on the vocal, which is the the share, you know, gain, oh, gain yeah. prominence during shares, believe, you know, that song. But there's this guy, T-Pain, who started using it on the hooks of his songs, and so, and it caught on to the point that the, the new Kanye West record, literally every single song, I mean, the entire album front to back is sung through an auto-tuner. And where you do the weird, quavery robot voice, everybody sort of knows, you know, that, and... So I decided that I wanted to start. I wanted to start auto tuning things that didn't really call for it. So once again, I went to Paul Harvey, and I have an auto tuner on my uh, on my Mac. And so I ran Paul Harvey through the auto tune because I was thinking it would be Paul Harvey as Kanye West, and it wasn't really funny at all. And I'm, even my description is like way funnier uh, than the actual song, uh, than the actual result. It wasn't. And then I was trying to auto tune Jennifer Hudson singing the uh, the national anthem, and that wasn't really funny either. Yeah. So just that's like a failed joke right there. The so lesson learned auto tuning is not funny. It's only funny sometimes. Like I think it could be funny. Um, you know, like I think if I did, I think Chris Paddock was trying to get somebody to do an interview with it. With it, he was trying to get somebody on Jam to do an interview with a hip hop artist, but like they were going to ask the interview questions via auto tune. Mm, apropos of nothing, uh, Paddock and I were talking yesterday, and he wants to sing that uh, Akon song again. He practiced all weekend, and he said that he's really confident in his ability to do it. Hmm. Let me think. No. Uh, <laughs> all right. Here's Don Taylor with the news. Thank. Uh a South Vermilion High School student, this is Vermilion County, Indiana, uh, who appeared to have everything going for her. That's another great lead for a story, isn't it? She appeared to have everything going for her, attacked, attacked out against her teacher. I shouldn't read these things verbatim. Anyway, a uh, high school student attacked her teacher in Vermilion County, Indiana. Uh, police said it started when she went to the bathroom, put on white makeup, red lipstick, and took out a razor, then cut her face. Some wow. say to resemble the Joker in the movie The Dark Knight. Oh, for her. God. After that, she knocked on the classroom door. No one in the class will forget what happened next. She pulls out this knife and begins to make action starts to the teacher like she was going to cut her, slice her, or stab her, said another student. That's when the teacher had to act fast. She was able to keep the girl at bay by blocking her with a desk and used a chair to hold her back until more help arrived. Uh, efforts allowed uh, to most of the students to escape within minutes. No one was hurt, but uh, parents were a tad concerned when they found out there was a girl dressed as the Joker <laughs> attacking First of all, teacher. I got so many thoughts on this. First of all, that is glorious. I mean, I'm not saying the kid should act out, and it's wrong to cut yourself. But if you're going to do it, do it like that. I mean, do it with some style. Um, also, uh, I love the idea... I mean, it's like Shades of the Wire, secondly. That's my second thought about that. Uh, there's that, there's that uh, episode in season four of The Wire where something sort of similar to this happens. The third and fourth things are this. When you're saying that the teacher managed to hold the student off by pushing her behind a desk and using a chair, the first thing you think of is like the lion tamer, where he's like the chair and the whip with the, with the lion, and then like, you know, and he's got the top hat on. 
But then the, the other thing I think of is that, uh, going back to Aliens, that sequence in Aliens where uh, Ripley and Newt are asleep and then Paul Reiser lets the, lets the little, like, scrabbly crab thing in. Oh, yeah. And there's that great sequence where, like, it's like Bill Paxton or somebody comes in and they brace it back with the... He puts his foot up against that um, crate and blocks it against the wall by its tail while he shoots it with the machine gun. Because I'm totally seeing the teacher as Bill Paxton with the foot <laughs> on the crate pressing the student against the wall while, uh, you know, while Michael Bean gets a machine gun. The interesting thing about this, though, is I, uh, I pulled up the story this morning. This just happened a couple days ago. This is not the first time this has happened recently. Uh, last week, prosecutors in uh, Australia... Oh, no, in Belgium... Uh, prosecutors charged a 20-year-old unemployed Belgian with murdering two babies and a woman and wounding 13 others in a knife attack uh, after he did the same thing. He had put on white makeup, uh, cut uh, and blackened his eyes, and then did like weird lipsticky makeup, and the local media dubbed him the Joker Killer. Uh, he had no previous criminal record. Uh, when he was arrested, he was carrying a knife, a small axe, a fake pistol, and was wearing body armor. Why a fake pistol? I, that that I, seems like I, you're I, pulling I, your punch at the last moment for no real reason. No idea. So this uh, is the second time. Don, is this just the newest Internet meme? Is this the... <laughs> dressing all, like the all Joker the kids are and, doing it. Dressing like the Joker and killing people is the new lolcat. Okay. Okay. I, I'm all loaded up here. There's another song to this song. Wait. Here we go. This is my second favorite. All right, is Don's uh, computer up over there? Crazy Train. I'm calling Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne. Excellent. I didn't see that coming. What's great is that they've actually matched it up with the YouTube video well, so you can watch Billy Idol singing. Something we're doing is we're doing right, though. Feeling so this. Does it speak to you? Okay. All right. We. I could do this all day. Okay. Here's. I'll just do this one. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I. Uh, I give you. Uh, uh, this. Uh, right here. Again. I give you Microsoft Songsmith. <laughs> okay, I don't wish to sound... I'm just going to say the first thing that came to my head. And you know what? People can accuse me of stereotyping if they wish. If there were a Japanese video game that featured the music of Michael Jackson, I believe that this is what it would sound like. But meanwhile, there'd be like a guy with like a huge pink head, and he would be running around on the back of a unicorn. So I was thinking uh, about like little little fat raccoon things or something bouncing around, shooting at barrels or something. Seriously, but they would be barrels that when you hit them, they exploded into taffy, <laughs> and then the taffy turned into seagulls and they flew away, leaving rainbows behind them. That happened last week on Lost. Wow. Okay, one more, and then I'll then I have to stop. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, Microsoft. Songsmith.
I only wish Kurt was alive to hear this. Here's the thing about this. I got two things to say about this, and then I got to quit saying things about things. One, I wish Kurt Cobain was alive to hear uh, this version of In Bloom done with Microsoft Songsmith, if only so he could then make the obligatory. I don't know. In a way, I felt like that was really punk rock, though. How they they took it and then they re, you know they did it their own. I mean, that's you know that's kind of the most punk rock way to do that if you're going to do it. And then he like exhales his cigarette smoke, and everyone calls him a genius. Second. I'll say something that probably everyone has thought, but maybe you don't say this sort of thing out loud because it's considered improper. Everyone on Earth has watched this. And by the way, if you don't know the song, it's Nirvana in Bloom is the one where they're doing the, the, the fake-ass uh, like 60s variety show where the guy says, once again, Nirvana, and they come out and they play in Bloom. Everyone on Earth has watched this and wondered who that ugly-ass woman is that they show about halfway through that's got the Mr. Ed teeth. And you know exactly who I'm talking about. If you're familiar with this Nirvana video, there's a woman... She looks like a Basil Wolverton drawing. I mean, it's just unbelievable. She looks like she ought to be, uh, you know, like she looks like she ought to be inside a wacky package. It's just, it's uh, it, it, so. I really demand that there be some sort of an investigation to who she is and where she is now. That is all. Let's do one more, and then we'll take a break and be caught up. Uh, here's Don Taylor. Uh, here's my story that I took with me last week because I didn't want anyone to. Is this the corpse watch we didn't this, get to? This is a corpse watch. Here's your corpse watch, ladies and gentlemen. I'm digging up Ladies and gentlemen, Dawn Taylor with a corpse watch so wonderful she took it with her last week, <laughs> folded up in her pocket. Like a, like a map, uh, you know, found uh, found in the attic. Like Wonka's golden ticket. Exactly. I was going to go the Chester Copper Pot route, but yes, Wonka's golden ticket. All right, here's your uh, here's your corpse watch. Well, as a little background, over 700 people died in Tijuana last year as rival gangs battled for control of the city's lucrative drug trade. Many others are missing and believed dead after being abducted. Well, uh, last week, a Mexican drug detainee confessed to dissolving the bodies of 300 of those missing and dead drug rivals uh, with corrosive chemicals good for him. in uh, industrial drums uh, in a border village outside Tijuana. Uh, Santiago Meza, whose uh, nickname is The Stewmaker... <laughs> Said he was paid $600 a week by a breakaway faction of the Ariano Felix cartel to dispose of slain rivals with caustic soda. They brought me the bodies, and I just got rid of them, Mesa said at a construction site where he claimed to have dissolved 300 corpses last year. They called him what? The soup maker? The stew maker. I'm sorry, the stew maker. Oh. That's like the fresh maker, only chunkier. The bodies took 24 hours to dissolve, but left some remains, which were dumped in a nearby pit, Mesa said. you got to wonder if somewhere near where he lives, there's a field where the flowers grow exceptionally tall and bright. You know what I mean? 
That's a that's a composting you can't really just get with regular fertilizer. Well, it's a great name too because it the way the story is written, it doesn't sound like this is something he was dubbed by the press after the fact. No. It sounds like this is the this is what the drug guys called him. Seriously. Like uh, uh, send the buddies to the stew maker. Like like when you you know you're hey so uh, so hefe so I killed this guy and uh, I don't know if it was his body goes I'm gonna send you to somebody hold on I'm gonna send you to the stew maker. Exactly. All right the stew you now you tell him I sent you. And uh, he'll hook you up. Uh, now it's uh, now it's pricey, but it's uh, it's worth it. You trust me, the stew maker. So he's sort of like the uh, he's sort of like the Mexican corrosive version of the wolf yes. in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> That's wonderful. How many bodies? Three hundred. That's so great. So he's in jail now. They've arrested him. They arrested him. Yes. Ah, that's too bad. He was paraded before journalists by the army. Which I'm not sure what good that actually does. It, it basically let let kids know that growing up to be a guy who dissolves bodies and chemicals is not a good thing. I'm just, I'm back on the stew maker business and whether or not that is in fact an intimidating name. I mean, does the stew maker really strike? That's not like being like the ice picker. Maybe it's scarier in Spanish. That's you know what sounds scarier in Spanish? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, because. If you if you tra- and I, I can't do it correctly, but if you translate the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints into Spanish, Latter Day here just sort of sounds like later in time, like you know, like you know, there was earlier and then there was latter. Um, in in Spanish though, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints is literally it's like Latter Days is like end times. It translates to like end of the world. So there you go. Yeah, in, in Spanish it's like el, el manufacturoso del menudo. Yeah, it's, it sounds really spooky. Back after this, ladies and gentlemen, there's your corpse watching. Don Taylor returns around the corner. Don't go anywhere. Gee, you got something to say to this? I didn't see it happen. Well, somebody should be watching and keeping an eye on him. Fair enough. This is the second time that he doesn't give a about what is going on in front of the camera. All right? All right? I'm trying to do a scene here and I'm going, why the is Shane walking in there? What is he doing there? Do you understand my mind is not in the scene if you're doing that? Stay off the set, man. For sake. Right, let's go again. Let's not take a minute. Let's go again! And let's not have you walking in! Can I have Tom put this on, please? Hey, Tom Wardrobe, please. Can I have Tom Wardrobe? You're unbelievable, man. You're unbelievable. Number of times you're strolling the around in the background. I've never had a DP behave like this. Uh, you don't understand what it's like working with actors. That's what that is. That's what that is, man. I'm telling you. I'm not asking. I'm telling you. Welcome to the next six months of this program, by the way. You're going to hear that probably three times a week forever. Oh, boy. So great. Three and a half. Don't act like you don't love it. It's three and a half, it's three and a half minutes of gold. <laughs> we were trying to queue it up during the break. And the great thing about it is, no matter where you start, you're only about half a second away from something wonderful happening. Ladies and gentlemen, Welshman uh, Christian Bale. There you go. That's great. Uh, by the way, the guy he's yelling at is director of photography Shane uh, Hurlbut. 
this is from Siegfried. Uh, he's he's the director of photography? He's the director of photography. Not just some, I thought it was some guy adjusting the lights or something. No, he's the director of photography. And that's, I mean, he is adjusting the lights. Uh, but he is the director of photography on the set. And Siegfried actually has a really good take on it because Siegfried, it, 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 I, I sort of trust his, his, I sort of trust his read on set etiquette and how things work. And he sort of splits the difference a bit here. He says, Rick, he said that he was, by the way, the first guy to said this to me. Like, this had been on the net about four seconds. And Siegfried said it to me with, better than Casey Kasem. That was the subject line, which is a bold statement, by the way. That better than Casey Kasem. I mean, that's making a promise you've got to deliver on. He said, I saw this on the TMZ site. It's Christian uh, Bale. Here's the thing to know. Christian Bale is yelling at director of photography Shane Hurlbut. Bale is doing an intimate scene with Bryce Howard, a.k.a. Ron Howard's daughter. This is on par with the Casey Kasem dog death dedication. Hope you enjoy. And then Siegfried notes, by the way, my favorite parts are the all good for you line and the let's go again. Uh, he says, uh, Christian Bale is such an a-hole. I love him. He says, by the way, don't you feel sorry for the wardrobe guy named Tom? And then Siegfried's analysis of this is, says, I have to say that it is a bit heavy and harsh that Christian is yelling at the cinematographer. A lot of cinematographers, though, do this, and it is annoying. Uh, director, directors of photography like to dance around with the lights to show that they are not lazy to the director. But it is annoying to the actors. Of course, you're always manipulating lights while filming. But with technology now, DPs can manipulate light with the dimmer boards in a theatrical way. What this director of photography was doing was not respecting the actors. He said, however... The chain of command on the set is such that the director of photography is on par or higher than the actor. So Christian yelling at him is way out of line. The thing I do notice, and he's talking about the director of photography here, is people who don't have a theatrical background treat the set like a construction yard. With actors around, especially theatrical actors like Christian Bale, emotion gets involved. You need to treat set like a Catholic school. Head down, shut the F up. As a crew person, you have to learn to look at the ground uh, during filming and move as stealthily as possible. Um, he said this was filming around the same time that The Dark Knight premiered. But how, by the way, just how totally impotent is McGee, though, the director, who in the background, that's, that's great, Christian. All right. Please don't yell at me anymore. Okay. No, no, I, no, I, I understand. I think that yeah. the best part is they go through this two and a half minutes of Christian Bale screaming at the director of photography, and the director of photography is going, I'm just trying to move the lights. I'm just, I have a family to feed. Please, please don't hurt me. And the director, McGee, who is running... He's the Charlie's Angels guy who's running the whole set at the end. His summation of the entire scene is to say, all right, good adjustments. And then, then presumably they just pick up for the next sequence. Ah, oh, it's wonderful. What's, what's really about this, though, that struck me as soon as I heard it, though, is that this is one of those situations where I was talking to uh, Mr. Bobby Fatboy Roberts about this earlier while I was waiting in the kitchen. For I'm sorry. No, but um, we all lose our temper, particularly if you're in some kind of a creative environment as and you're really concentrating on something you're really trying to do something if somebody really like messes you up right and the difference being that you know most of us aren't movie stars and there aren't people with camera phones waiting to like send our rants to tmz but like i told told bobby i i used to work in a restaurant kitchen i mean there was screaming and things being thrown and and I lost my temper a couple of times. I don't really get angry very easily, but I actually made a guy cry once. Really? At work, so yeah. Please to explain. I find this fascinating <laughs> and kind of hot, actually. Um, I was pastry chef at a hotel. Uh, it was uh, we had just gone through Mother's Day, which mm -hmm. is the most hellacious day of the year. A for stressful time for everyone. Especially if, in the case of our hotel, you're the only hotel in Salem that has banquet facilities. So it was like both our ballrooms were full with tables. Mm -hmm. We had two buffet lines. 
I was, I'm the only pastry chef at this place. So I worked for two days straight. I actually lived at the hotel for two days prepping for this, then put in like a 16-hour day on Mother's Day. Went home, finally, came in, realized I had burned through all of my desserts feeding these insane piranha-like people. <laughs> so uh, and I was like, oh, I need restaurant. I need desserts for the restaurant tomorrow. Ah, so I figured I, next day was my day off. All the top chefs, the executive chef and the sous chef and I were off that day. And I thought, I'll go in on my day off, do a little bit of work and get caught up. So I go in and I go to my station and my work area is completely piled, like as full as it can possibly be with this tire, towering piles of dirty pots and pans. Because it turns out after I left the night before, the dishwasher broke. And so every single pot and pan and dish and tray and everything in the whole kitchen is still dirty, being feverishly washed by hand by two guys while we wait for the dishwasher repairman to come. I look at this, realize I have nowhere to work. I turn to the uh, the meth addict prep cook guy, and I say, I have nowhere to work. I'm just going to go home. I'll come back in right, tomorrow. Right. Next day, I come into work, and my boss, the executive chef, tells me that meth addict prep cook guy told, told him <laughs> that I had come in thrown a hissy fit right. that there was nowhere for me to work, stormed out and went home. So I said, can I, can I talk to you outside by the dumpsters? And I pulled him outside, and I I kind of built to it. Plus, there was a lot of dropping of the F-bomb because I worked in a kitchen. You know, chefs do swear like Christian Bale. It's a combative environment. And I told him that, you know, look, I've been working here for three months. I'm still trying to make a good impression on my bosses. I'm the only woman working in an all-male environment. Uh but you got to understand something. Uh, this doesn't work. You, you dissing me to my boss like this? First of all, Oliver, the executive chef, I worked with him for two years before I came here. He came to this job and brought me with him. And I outrank you. So I can fire you. I mean, not directly, but I can have you fired. I can have you taken care of. And as I'm talking, I'm just building in anger. You know, it's like, and I've helped you prep. And I will help you in the future because I can be your best pal. But don't. Don't forget, I can also be your worst freaking nightmare. I can get you fired. I can make your life miserable. Do not ever effing go behind my back and talk to my boss and badmouth me to him. If you have something to say, he goes, say it to me. And I, and I found it later that after, like, I, that I went off and did something, I found it later. He went into the chef and was crying. <laughs> Excellent. So. I hope his tears tasted like wine. But, uh, ah, wonderful. And yeah. by the way, you should know that as you were reenacting, this actually was physically backing away from you. But, <laughs> so you're still selling it. That was method acting right there. Well, as, as I, I said, the, the, one of my favorite things that sums up, I don't get angry very often. I get very passionate. And I have no problem, uh, as you've noticed, uh, expressing irritation or annoyance. But I don't get really angry very often. And there's, um, to paraphrase something that Al Franken said in one of his books, uh, it's like, you've never seen me angry. If you did see me angry, you would crap yourself and die. <laughs> you wouldn't. So. <laughs> you would no longer. You'd be visiting the stew maker. Right yes. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? That's a lot of calls. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey. How can I help you? <laughs> Sorry, I was listening to two things at once. Can't do two things at once. Apologize. I was going to make a comment about um, the prima donna of late, Mr. Uh, Christian Bale, <laughs> and how um, no one's making a big uh, deal about his glow. I just, I just don't understand why uh, him walking through would be such a big deal. I mean, he has people walking all over the place, and it's just one person, and he's going to freak the hell out. I just, I just don't, I don't get it. I, well, that isn't, isn't it like, wasn't it the thing that was right around? If that was around the Dark Knight premiere, wasn't it right, that around the time that he was accused of, like, was it emotionally and verbally abusing his mother? His mom and sister. Oh, yeah. 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 
He's a prize. <laughs> All right. Also, you just don't Thank do you. All right. It looks only take you so far. Like, I think he's yeah. hot, but, like... I mean, you know, maybe you shouldn't... People don't... Techs don't go walking through live sets while they're shooting scenes, though. I mean, you have a whole bunch of assistant directors who make a point of yelling, quiet on the set, you got red lights flashing, you got people... You know, you got to give them a chance to concentrate. Well, and that's Siegfried's point. Siegfried's point was that, that, like, the DP probably outranks Christian Bale, and so Christian Bale has... It's completely in violation of protocol for Christian Bale to yell at a DP... But by the same, Siegfried says that also DPs have this thing where they constantly want to be proving to the director that like I'm doing something, so they're always adjusting, and and that if, if you're coming to it, uh, not if you don't come from a theatric, you know, because in the theater you 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 never ever ever get anywhere within like the line of sight of the actors while they're doing their thing because because they're all delicate and whatever, uh, and uh, you know, but if you come to the film set and you just view it as he said like a shipyard. Then you're just going to be tromping around everywhere, and then somebody like Christian Bale is you know is going to go who does appear to have. Um, Impulse control problems anyway. So, bit. you know, anyway. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey. Hey. Driving. Yes. I'm driving down the road on 52nd, and there's a guy with a seeing eye dog making his way down the road, and a pit bull jumps off the porch, runs out, and attacks the seeing eye dog. The mom is on the lawn, and the baby just sitting there on the lawn watching the two dogs fight, and then the mom and the dad grab the dog, pull it off the thing, eye dog, and I thought, this is something for Rick Emerson. God bless you, sir. Is this happening just now? Oh, about two minutes ago. And this is on, uh, you don't have to tell us exactly, the 52nd and, like, where? Uh, Holgate. F. Which, you know, which is your favorite part of town, right? You know, that's that's right around the oh, place. It's home. <laughs> that's right. It's it's just we're practically neighbors, sir. That's right around the uh, that's right around the place where that old guy was shooting everybody a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, anywho, so by the way, just there's several AKA great right near our neighborhood. Exactly, and there's several things that are that are. Uh, I'm not advocating violence of any kind, but I'm saying there's several things that are that make this a perfect thing for you to call us about. One, that the guy is blind. Two, just a phrase, seeing eye dog is funny, that there's a baby on a lawn, a mom doing nothing, uh, and that it all takes place in 52nd and Holgate, which is, I believe, where they found my truck the last time it was stolen. So this is just a whole confluence of great, and, of course, that you thought to call us with, with this story, which, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was proper. And, in fact, uh, hold on a second. Don't go anywhere. Hey, Richie, do we have uh, something we can give this guy? All right, sir, I'm going to put you on hold. Richie's going to find something we'll bright, and, something. Bright, bright and shiny. from the. Oh, you know what we have for you, sir? Uh, would you like to go see uh, the screening of the new Friday the 13th movie? Sure. Okay, I'm going to put you on hold. Uh, Richie, those passes are in-house. I don't know where they are. I think Bridget has them. We're not technically giving them away yet, but we're going to give one to that guy. Do we talk to that guy on four? Uh, we're going to give him a pair of uh, passes to the screening of the new Friday the 13th movie for calling it with that story. And incidentally, just for those who are playing the Picture Pages home game, uh, just as I was backing away from Dawn as she was simulating her screaming at the meth chef, she was, in fact, rolling her eyes and pushing herself back away from the microphone as the guy said the phrase, pit bull, uh, left off the porch. Dawn? And now with an editorial reply, Don Taylor. I just I I don't know for a fact that it wasn't a pit bull. I'm looking online. Oh, and you're, you're a anything. pit bull owner. I am a pit bull owner, yeah. and oh, I just go. I it always just yeah it raises my hackles a little when I hear uh, yet again someone reinforcing the stereotype that pit bulls are vicious dogs because uh, occasionally yes a pit bull will attack another dog, but statistically they do not uh, they do not attack. People in particular. I was going to say that, you know, and he went right for the dog, passing up the baby, which is softer. 
Yeah. So that's surprising. Well, the thing with pit bulls, I will say this. The thing with pit bulls is sometimes they are dog aggressive. They don't tend to be people aggressive, which is most of the myth, but they do occasionally <clears> have. <throat> even my, my dog is the biggest sweetheart in the world, and even she'll just see dogs. Sometimes. Is it safe to Ooh, say that another dog. pit bulls are a hot button with you, Don Taylor? Pit, pit bulls are a hot button with me, yes. All right. <laughs> uh, let's see just here. Just a little bit. Yeah, every person I know who owns a pit bull is the same way. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Don. Hey, what's Beth up? From Puerto Rico. Hello. Hi. How can I help you? Um, yes. Uh, I have three things. First, you were talking about Mariska Harkate. Wait, I have, to, I have to back up for one second. Is your name Rob? No. I didn't believe so. This is Sarah, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's, what, Puerto Rico. that's what I thought. I, I didn't know if we were somehow, if we had a huge listening base in Puerto Rico all of a sudden. It says uh, Rob. Okay, no, yes. Um, no, I, I haven't changed my gender yet. Does she sound like a Rob? <laughs> <laughs> One never knows. I, you know, I knew a girl named Charlie. What are you going to do? Uh, all right. What, what is up, Sarah? Uh, well, first uh, about Mariska Hargitay. I thought you might like to know. You were mentioning how she might be psychologically scarred about what happened to her mother. Yeah, she's hot crazy. She, yes. Oh, she is. But anyway, uh, she is physically scarred. She has a three and a half inch, uh, six, six X scar on the side of her head. That's pretty That's the high. accident that killed her, money, her mother, yes. All right. I, I get to say, you know, uh, there's, uh, there's, she's got the, the aura. There's just a sort of all-over nuttiness vibe uh, oh. with her that, that it's like you could pick it out of a lineup. Even if you didn't know who she was, anything about her, her childhood, you just, like, if I were to show you a bunch of photographs, like, okay, in this pile of photos, there's going to be one crazy woman. Like, as soon as you got to her, everybody in the room would know. Yes, but she's very talented. The second thing is that um, the Mormon Church is called Iglesia de Jesucristo de los Santos de Últimos Días. Excellent. Uh, Últimos Días being end of days. Uh, uh, see, that's a, the end of days. That's the thing. So whereas in America it sounds very sort of, uh, you know, it sounds very sort of uh, passive and very denuded. It does have an apocalyptic feel to it when you put it when you put it that way. The, the what is it? The uh, say it one more time, please. Iglesia de Jesucristo de los Santos de Últimos Días. Excellent. I'm going to make that my wrestling name. All right. Thank you. Uh, the first thing is that I hope to get to say hi to you on Friday because I'm going to be coming down to the Battlestar Galactical showing. Are you coming? From Puerto Rico? Well, let me just back up a second. Uh, well, <laughs> um, I mean, you know they have, I mean, look, I don't mean to knock the showing, but you know they have TVs and stuff now. I mean, you. I, I know I have one, uh, but I'm actually in Seattle right now for a partner global summit in Microsoft. Uh-huh. So I'm going to be taking the train on Friday. This is the best thing ever. In, in the big screen. I can't that's even. That's the chance. You, you know, you cannot miss that chance. I can't even count the number of ways in which this is great. You are originally, so you're from Puerto Rico, but you are in Seattle because of Microsoft coming here to Portland for Battlestar Galactica, which is like yes. so many layers of great. You have to come by and see us. You have to come by the studio. Yes. I'm sorry, what? Come you have to come, come by, by the, the studio. We demand your presence. <laughs> All right. I'll try. I'll, I'll no, 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 no. Try not. No, no, no. Do or do not. There is no try. Uh, you got me in that. All right. Okay. You, so you know where we are. You know when we're on. You got to come. You got to come by and say hello. Okay. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, I know you listen. You listen to Puerto Rico. You're like two and a half hours away. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a game of right. inches at this point. I mean, yeah, all right. There you go. Uh, one more. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. I, I had to bring this up because you mentioned that was what it would sound like if a Japanese video game had Michael Jackson in it. Yes. Well, there's actually a couple of Japanese video games starring Michael Jackson that I need to tell you about. Uh, Please do. First, okay, the first one is called Moonraker. It was on the Sega Genesis, 
where you, as Michael Jackson, would uh, kick gangsters, and when you kick, actual fairy dust would, like, come out of your foot. And the whole goal of the game is to open doors and save small children. I am not making this up. I think, and by the way, I think the game you're referring to is Moonwalker. No. Moonwalker yeah. is the James Bond game. Oh, right. But yeah, Moonwalker, whatever. I didn't know that, but I remember that game existing, but I don't think about it. You have to kick fairy dust out of your shoes and save children? Yeah, and you can, and here's the worst part. So it's got, like, Sega Genesis digitized versions of Michael Jackson songs. Yeah. The Sega Genesis sound card is terrible, so it sounds awful. <laughs> Excellent. I have to look those up, like, in the next break. Okay, what's the other one? Okay, the other one, uh, there was a video game that came out on the Dreamcast in America called, called Space Channel 5, but there was an unreleased sequel until recently in Japan, Space Channel 5 Part 2, and one of the later levels, your main character, Ulara, is literally probably about to get tentacle raped by this big monster, and then Michael Jackson shows up, actually voiced by Michael Jackson. They brought him in to do this dance theme thing. It's, it's bizarre. All right, you had me at tentacle raped. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. That's that's really all i got to tell you. Yeah, thank you, sir. Yep, bye. Right, you yeah, I'm sitting here Googling tentacle rape Michael Jackson right now. Attention, IT department. That's not me doing this. <laughs> I have such a present for you. Really? Yes. Um, first of all, this is from Rick, who's stuck at home with salmonella po- poisoning. Uh-huh. He really is. Right. Thank you, Rick. Um, you don't even know how amazing this is. Are you ready? Uh, I, uh, I, I don't know. You've built it up. I don't know that I can be ready. I don't think that you would be able to be ready. Okay. So, Rick, thank you for sending this. I hope you feel better from your salmonella poisoning. This is something you've missed for a really long time. Okay. He put the little round object in his mouth. It was delicious. Oh, that's so great. Where did he get, where did he find it? I don't know. He just said it. I thought it was another um, you know, like Microsoft sound thing. He says, Hey Rick and Sarah, I know you since you said you lost the clip, so I'm home today suffering from salmonella. I decided to see if I could find it with great pleasure and expector. Uh, just uh, this is if you don't know what we're talking about, Don, this is uh, and I have to thank Aaron's uh, Aaron the geek's wife, uh, Aaron Duran's wife, uh, Jen, who at a thrift uh, store, a flea market or something, found it's a 33 record. It's, a, it's an old 33 of Michael Jackson reading a sort of abridged version of the kid. It's like so many layers removed. It is Michael Jackson reading an abridged version of the kid's version of the novelization of E.T. Oh. And so, so he's talking about Reese's Pieces. But ah. can you play it one more time? Of so he's talking about Reese's This is Michael Jackson talking about Reese's Pieces, but sounding very different. He put the little round object in his mouth. It was delicious. Oh, it's so great. I love oh. a chewing effect. I know. God bless you, sir. Like rolling around in his mouth. By the way, never Google Moonwalker Michael Jackson tentacle rape. <laughs> <laughs> done and done. Uh, I'll take us into break with something here, Sarah. Okay. I think I've got the, uh, if I can get this to play correctly. Uh, I'm just putting, writing it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Michael Jackson's Moonwalker uh, for the Sega Genesis. Back after Smith all over again. Totally. Back after this, don't go anywhere.
his mouth. <laughs> it was delicious. Look at you. Take your f ass. I want you off the f set, you f. Now, don't just be sorry. Think for one second. Oh. You did too. Yeah, no. no, you did. Now there's that little horn you trill coming up here. I know. Right there. Well, what are going to do? Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-29. I haven't even played the Casey Kasem thing. I'll play that later on. Is it the dog one? Oh, everybody knows you. Yeah, you know the Casey Kasem one. Oh, yes. Is Don on the phone? Yeah. Ah, good times. Here's a little, uh, little FYI from all of us to all of you. The mic's always on. That's the thing. That red light, that means record. Camera's always running, or there's always some guy there with his cell phone capturing you as you scream at somebody in craft services. Ah. No, I would always, yeah, I've said this before, but when I was in TV, I would take off the entire pack. I don't care how long it would take oh, to yeah. restring the microphone and put it back underneath my jacket. I would, if I was leaving on the phone or, like, going anywhere. Go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. Yeah, I remember working there and having someone go to the bathroom and the engineers were all coming down and laughing. Oh. No. We learned nothing from Leslie Nielsen movies. No, 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 we haven't. Uh, not at all. Not in any way. So there you go. Um, by the way, the best part about this is the Christian Bale thing. Uh, and by the way, by best, I mean the best thing in the last five minutes is that somebody said that he he didn't th- he thought it was a joke. He thought it was a sequence from the Jay Moore Vehicle Action, which is a great show on on Fox, one of the best sitcoms that's ever aired anywhere ever. Which was a relentlessly profane, where they would just do it, they would do it, you know, with profanity and then bleep it. Um, and there's a great sequence where they actually, where at the sort of the end, the Adam Adam Rafkin guy. Um, actually screams at the craft services guy who then kills himself with a pistol on set because he serves he serves like some um, crab puffs or something and Jay Moore's trying to get Adam Rafkin who's a screenwriter to become more manly. Do you have you seen this show oh, Action? Yes. Yeah. And Adam Rafkin like where do you get the cojones, man? And like screams at him about the crab puffs and the craft services you know, you're fired and the craft services guy says but, that, but I just this is my whole life. I, I have nothing else. I don't get you are out of here and then he walks off stage. It's the most beautifully crafted joke. He walks off camera, and Jay Moore, you know, and Adam Rafkin says, I feel sorry. I feel so bad for firing the craft services guy. And Jay Moore says, no, 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 it's just an ego boost. You fire him, and then you'll hire him back tomorrow. And at that moment, you're, bam, gunshot. Oh. The craft services guy killed himself. <laughs> and then the, just when you think the joke can't get any better, Jay Moore does the whole, Rafkin, you killed a man. Congratulations! <laughs> and then they hug, and then it's the closing credits. It's hard to imagine why that show didn't last. That show made me feel. Deep. I love that show. It's like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Like watching yeah. it, it's entertaining, but you know that you're going to hell for watching it. Be- because of action, every time my husband or I see a reference to Joel Silver, we always refer to him as Joel Silver. Totally. Because I seated at the restaurant totally. with the maitre d. Of course, I have a table waiting for you. He, what did he get a table before? <laughs> Wait, there's Joel Silver. He, he produced the batteries. <laughs> yeah, we also produced Xanadu. Oh, uh, good times. 
Ah, all right. Quit sending me emails that say I am the stew man, cuckoo cuckoo. Uh, here's Don Taylor, ladies and well, gentlemen. People. Now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. A 29-year-old woman in eastern Sweden has been blocked from using the letter combination ADHD on her car registration plate as the authorities have deemed the abbreviation for attention deficit slash hyperactivity disorder inappropriate and potentially offensive. Rick is wearing an ADHD shirt today, I am. too. I, but in the style of iffy, dissy. It's, uh, it's an end. By the way, just uh, it's not like I'm cra- you know, especially clever. I did see this shirt uh, being worn by somebody on television, and I immediately went to the Internet, and I purchased it for myself. So it's not like I found it at Lent, like I found it at some boutique T-shirt shop or something. It is the ACDC logo, but it says ADHD, and this is one of my favorite T-shirts. Um, well, you on. wouldn't be able to have that on your car. Yeah, but they're the Swedish. They're soft. Swedish car owners looking to register a private number plate must fulfill a series of criteria. Many try to fool the authorities with word combinations playing on sex and other cryptic offensive messages. Well, that's like in America, like there was that woman who tried to have MILF on a license plate, and she had come up with some fake, a backronym, they call it, a fake sort of explanation as to what that means, and they, they were having none of that. It's like, you know, or WTF, people try to get, and the, you know, the man says, like, no. Well, anyone who wants something on their car delineating themselves as a MILF deserves to not get what they want. <laughs> Don, I know I say this a lot, but Sarah and I are hugging you right now inside. Oh, uh, I touched Don. And again, because I'm comfortable touching you. I know, you've actually hugged me a couple of times, and I told my husband this. He goes, Sarah doesn't hug anyone. <laughs> they talk about that all the time. Like a life serial thing. But you're, I'm always just so grateful to have another woman here. Well, yeah. I'm very, I'm very, I'm very cuddly. I'm like a big, you know, furry teddy bear of a woman. So it's kind of. Uh, I don't think I'm, you're. I'm not that you're a furry teddy bear of a woman. Well, I you don't... haven't seen me with my shirt off. Zam. God, I love her. <laughs> really? Hey, really? speaking of ADD, oh. don't you have the ADD test? Oh yeah, so I do. I brought this in today. And uh, I really am. Hey, look, 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 we all remembered it. Look at that. Uh, but you know what the thing is? Sarah came into my office yesterday afternoon. She's like, "So what's up with that ADD test?" And I said, "And the thing is, and I've talked about this before. If something's in my day planner, it'll get done, or, or at the very least, if I can't do it that day, I'll plan it forward, as they say at the Covey, at uh, the Franklin Covey seminar." I'll move it to the next day, and you know, in other words, I won't forget about it. Even if I can't get it done, I won't forget about it. I'll, it'll stay, you know, you know, stay on my radar. Uh, but if it's not on my planner, like here's the thing, just a little uh, from me to you, and this is everybody at CBS too. If you talk to me about doing something, and I say, yeah, I'll get right on that. If you don't see me write it down, I'm not getting right on that. I'm not going to get anywhere in the vicinity of that. Um, so, and and uh, Sarah, are you thinking at this point we should move Katie Darrell? Probably. Hey Richie, I, would work. I hate to be this guy. Can you um, can you see if we can move Katie Daryl tomorrow? We we never do that. We have we take her every week at this time. But I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt this, and I don't want to give her short shrift. So if you could um, if you could talk to Katie Daryl at TMZ and see if we can talk to her tomorrow. And I know that today's a big day for her anyway because they got the Christian Bale audio. But for that reason, probably today is going to be kind of rushed for her as well because again they were the ones who broke the Christian Bale audio thing. I don't even know if he's listening. Richie, are you hearing any of this? <laughs> Now oh, there he is. Okay. Thank you. Apologize. Let let her know. Ask. Let her know if we can do it tomorrow. That'd be great. Because there's no skin tomorrow. So no Mr. Skin. So that'd be great. Um, yeah. The, the TMZ's having a big day because they were the ones who broke the, the Christian Bale thing. Anyway. Yeah. If you don't see me write it down in the planner, it's not going to be done. I don't care what lies. And they're not lies when I say them. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that. I'll do that as soon as I'm off the air today. Not going to happen. Well, we talked about something um, early on when we first forgetting to know each other and I mentioned I said hey I've got this great idea and you were like uh email it to me because I'll forget I won't remember yeah like 10 seconds and I tell you this to people a lot and they think I'm being a jerk and I'm really trying to be polite in my own horrible way 
uh, where I'll meet people, they'll say, hey, blah, 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 I got a great idea for a thing. And I'll say, that's great. And I'll say, that's wonderful, but really 30 seconds from now, I'm not going to remember your name or the fact that we talked. And that has not, that's anybody. That's, that, that's like, like me and like people listening to the show. That's me and anyone. Uh, there are people that I've met five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand times. Don't remember anything about them. I'm good with faces, not with names. I'm terrible with names. Yeah. And it's embarrassing that I develop a phobia about calling somebody the wrong name. Because you don't want to screw it up. But even though I know definitively that their name is something else, like something in my mind has that little thing. And I was like, well, are you really, really sure that that's yeah. their name? Even though now you've known them for five years. Yeah, I will. I will remember every single thing uh, that I did or conversations that I've had with someone that I only meet like sporadically over a period of years, but I won't remember their name. Mm-hmm. But I can tell. I can tell them every place we've ever been together in I'm every conversation we've ever had. I can be like, no, 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 we had lunch at that place and you ordered the breadsticks, but then you had to send them back because they were stale, but then I got the, mar- the marinara and then, you know, whatever. Uh, two things, and then we'll do, talk about this test. One, if I could have any sort of magical superpower, though, it would be the to remember everybody's name because I went to, uh, a, again, a Franklin Covey seminar one time. And because I was for a long time, I'm not anymore, but I was a big user of the Franklin Covey planner. Um, and then it was just a Franklin planner. And I don't anymore because it, at the time, though, my life was just in such chaos. I sound like a guy in an infomercial, but my time was in my life was in such chaos. I really needed some sort of drastic, extreme sort of scheduling thing. Uh, and if you want to schedule every nanosecond of your life, Franklin Covey will help you do it. It really, if you're a person who wants to schedule every single moment of your waking existence and, in fact, your sleeping existence, they got something that'll help you. And I, and that's what I really needed. So I did like a two-day seminar with them, which is not just how to use the book. It's just, it's like scheduling techniques and strategies and whatever. But the, the Franklin Covey guy is such a, such a jerk. He, he comes in and there's like 40 of us at this seminar, you know, where we're going to be learning stuff. And he does this such, a, such an a-hole move. I mean, it's great, but it's just such a dick move where he comes in and he says, he says, hey, uh, my name's John and I'm going to be here. I'm talking to you about Franklin Covey and how to make your life more organized and more productive and how to really plan things and then make sure you get them done. Uh, I'm going to go quickly around the room if you can all introduce yourselves. Goes around the room. All 40 people introduce themselves. And then instantly he goes back around and lists off everybody's name in order. And then he does it backward. Backward. You know? So well, I was, that, that's just showing off. It's not like he's going to teach you yeah. how to do that. I know. It's like I can't. There's no, there's no, I mean, and so if you watch my second thing that will talk about the test, if you watch, I've never really discussed this with anybody but Joni because something embarrasses me. But if you watch Bigger Than Jesus, which is this movie I did with uh, Joni DeRoshi a few years back, one of the bonus features is like the kind of curtain call where you introduce everybody and, you know, it's like Storm is in it and Gustav and, you know, whoever. And, uh, but there's this voice guy who does like three different voices because a bunch of offstage voices in Bigger Than Jesus. And this guy named Michael Vaughn, who's a very talented voice actor, does video games, does a lot of stuff. I mean, we'd been working on Bigger Than Jesus for like, I mean, it was like a six-month rehearsal. I mean, it's a very involved show, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Rehearsing for like six months for this performance that we filmed. And we get to the curtain call, and again, we've been working, training, back and forth, just fine-tuning, workshopping the script, everything. We get the flawless performance all the way through, done. At the end, I'm doing the curtain call, you know, as the voice of my mother, Storm Large, as the voice of my father, Gustav, all this, you know, stuff. And I go, as the voice of, like, Gary, Bob, and Phil, and I can't remember Michael Vaughn's name, I can't remember his last name, and I can't read my own writing. So I go, as the voice of David, John, and Phil, and Ted, Michael Vaughn. Like, it was just very much, but not even that distinct. Sort of like, Michael Vaughn. And, and he came out, and if you watch it, you can tell that I don't remember his name at all. Sorry, Michael Vaughn. Michael Vaughn, Michael Vaughn, Michael Vaughn, Vaughn, Vaughn. Sarah came to my office yesterday, and she made me write this down on my planner, and so I brought it in there. And, of course, you remembered it. <laughs> this is the checklist for adult attention deficit disorders for both undifferentiated attention deficit disorder, ADD, and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. And uh, so what we'll do is... Which one do you... 
Wait, so is this testing for both of them? Um, or I thought they were the same thing. You know, I don't really know the difference. Okay. I think when, when you're easily distracted and when you're easily distracted and, 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 and twitchy. Yeah, I think okay. that, that really actually, I think that actually is it. I think one is you can't focus, and the other is you can't focus because you're always going, ah! You know, like, so one is your butters and one is the, your tweak. Really, that's the difference. Butters has ADD. Tweak has ADHD, Sarah. So okay. that's, that's the distinction between the two. Oh, um, you're making so many people angry right now. What do you mean? I'm just imagining these people driving in their car who actually have, you know, the ADHD. Yeah, like, but they'll forget. tweak. They'll forget that they're oh, angry yeah. in like five seconds. So, <laughs> seriously. Making fun of people with ADHD is like making fun of people with Alzheimer's. You know, by the time they find a pen and a paper, they don't know what they're complaining about or to whom. Yeah, it's like laughing at your dog. Oh, exactly. no, that's even worse. <laughs> Why did I say that? <laughs> well, look, sister, I'm allowed to make fun. You ought to see how high I scored on this thing. <laughs> And high scoring is not a thing you want on this test. I'll say, I have never taken a test for ADD. I know I am crazy in yeah. a lot of ways, and I think my crazy is a completely different way, but I might be wrong. Okay, so are there four categories? Well, there's a lot, so I'm not going to quiz you on everything, because it's like, seriously, there's like, the, like the... there's like a thousand questions here. Okay. So I'm just going to go through, and I'm going to quiz you guys, and basically what it is is, for each of these, I want you to write down one through four. Okay. And But here's the thing. That in other words, each question, you answer it either one, two, three, or four. One being not at all, okay. four being like all the time, and then obviously two being somewhat and three being somewhat but not all the time. You know what I mean? Okay. In other words, one, no. Four, absolutely. And I mean, because the way they describe it is one is not at all. Two is, in fact, it might help you if you actually just write this down so you know what I'm talking about. So one is not at all. Two, you would write down, Sarah, if it was just a little. Okay. Three is pretty much. Four is all the time. Okay. So those are the gradients. Not at all, just a little, pretty much, or very much. Just, But for our purposes, we'll use one through four. All right, I'm ready. Okay. All right. And I'm just going to go through, and I'll, I'll give you kind of the, the ones that are the most pertinent here, and then we'll tally up your number at the end. Okay. All right. So if you folks, you can play along at home. Um, so, again, for each of these personality traits... Write down one through four, depending on whether you have it not at all, just a little, pretty much, or very much. Okay. And we're beginning. I should find appropriate music for this. Dexter? Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Uh, we'll start with this one. A short attention span, especially for low-interest activities. One through four. Difficulty completing tasks. Daydreaming. Easily distracted. Nicknames like Spacey or Dreamer. <laughs> okay. Excitability. Low frustration tolerance. Wait, what does that mean? Um, you like you get frustrated very easily. Okay. Disproportionately so. All right. See, some of these, it's like I'm sorry, I just keep, it's like it's, I need context because sometimes I do have a very low frustration. But I think it means when it's not called for. I think it's really the point. Yeah. Disproportionate yeah. frustration. Um, excessively shifts from one activity to another. Activity could also mean boyfriend. <laughs> you asked. I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I'm talking about the audience. Somebody out there. <laughs> Difficulty in group situations which require patience or taking turns. 
Yeah, this one isn't looking so good for me all of a sudden. <laughs> Interrupts frequently. One through four. Which are not at all, just a little, pretty much, or very much. Restlessness, which is fidgetiness or constantly being on the go. I urge you to be honest. All right. Next. Excessive talking. <laughs> well, to find excessive. <laughs> That's between you and your God, Don. All right. About halfway done here. Next. Again, you are rating these one through four. Does not cooperate. Determined to do things own way. Next. Argumentative. Next. Disregard socially accepted behavioral expectations. God, you must be off the charts. I mean, mm. whoever you are out oh, there. Oh, no, I am. Trust me. No, I was talking to the listeners, Rick. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disregard socially accepted behavioral expectations. Frequent job changes. That one, to be fair, I, I told the shrink. I'm like, it doesn't even count for me because yeah. I get fired all the time. All right. Frequent and unpredictable mood swings. Hmm. <laughs> I should have made a Richie type. <laughs> Next, irritability. Okay, handful more here. Next, easily overstimulated, hard to stop once revved up. Next, low frustration tolerance, excessive emotional reaction to frustrating situations. Again, define excessive. Let's say if you have problems with uh, the test questions, that might be a big yes. Are you getting frustrated with the test questions? <laughs> I don't like my pen. Next one is angry outbursts. <laughs> uh-huh. This, by the way, is all under the heading of emotional difficulties. Uh, immaturity. Oh, hell. All right. Home stretch now. Okay. Difficulty following the rules of social interactions. Next, avoids group activities. A loner. An Eskimo. <laughs> Next, bosses other people. Wants to be the leader. Next, critical of others. And the final three. Sees things from own point of view. Does not negotiate differences well. By which I think they mean politely, but what am I to say? I think that's the second one I've actually gotten, though. I do see other people's point of view. Does not negotiate differences well? I, I negotiate okay. differences very well. Uh, that's fine. Whatever you say. Don't hit me. Um, underdeveloped sense of responsibility. And uh, actually two more. Poor manager of money. And finally... Unreasonable, semicolon, demanding. There you go. So, we'll take a break. We will come back while Don and Sarah and perhaps everyone else tallies up their scores. And then we'll answer the question, are you crazier than Rick Emerson? Back after this on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is 
the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. Join us tomorrow when our guest... Pardon me, when I will cough into the microphone. Join us tomorrow when our guest will include Katie Darrell from TMZ.com and Dave Schmidtke. Ladies and gentlemen. Yay! Uh, let's see. Thursday, speaking of crazy, Thursday we're going to be joined by Tim Criswell. Uh, Tim Criswell, you may remember, is the guy from the House of Reptiles. Um... Is and, he bringing in more animals? Uh, no, I think it's going to be a phoner tomorrow. No, wait, no, no, no. He's coming to the studio tomorrow. It's not for the reptile. But, uh, real quickly, I'll talk more about it later. I don't know if you know this or not. So before he ran the House of Reptiles, Tim Criswell was a psychologist. Well, he is a psychologist, but was a practicing psychologist for 30 years. Uh, and then after 30 years as a psychologist said, F this, I'm done with it. And now he goes and he sells like cobras to children or something. But he runs, he runs the House of Reptiles, but was a practicing psychologist for 30 years. So on Thursday... And I have to admit, I did this on Outlook Portland, but I'm just ripping myself off for this show. On Thursday, Tim Criswell will put his psychologist hat back on, and he will analyze the United States of America uh, right now in 2009 as though it were a psychiatric patient. So so he was a uh, psychiatrist, psychologist, and he chose to work with snakes. Yes. I think you all mm. know what we're saying. Mm. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN Radio Correspondents. James Roof. Hello, sir. How do you do? How's life, brother? Life is beautiful, man. It's 81 degrees and the sun is shining. Bastard. All right. Well, hey, somebody told me, and I don't know if this is true, somebody told me that the long uh, feared day has actually arrived and that the In N Out folks have. That they, 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 somebody said they saw an In N Out burger someplace. It doesn't even seem possible. It was someplace like Ohio or something. Something insane. Have you heard any rumblings about this? I've never heard that. No. See, I think they were wrong about it. I think they may have seen a place that was made to look or sort of had the same general vibe as an In-N-Out burger. Right? It doesn't seem like that's actually a possibility. I can't possibly see the place moving any farther east than it already is. All right. Well, that's what I thought because, I, you know, and I, hate, I, I as we always say, you know, I hate to be morbid, but one does think forward to the day when uh, the folks who run that joint pass away, and you got to hope their family stays true to their vision of not putting them everywhere, you know? Absolutely. Because otherwise it wouldn't be special. Otherwise I would have, you know, because that's on my list. I'm going to Vegas in April, and that's already on the list of, like, the things i got to do. Get off the plane, go to In-N-Out Burger. So, <laughs> and by the way, just as, like, one hamburger enthusiast to another, Jim, i got to tell you that um, I don't know if you're ever on the fat burger train, but you know what? I, I've, I've, I've moved on from fat burger. They've disappointed me twice in a row, and more importantly, they have disappointed me on visits to fat burger when I have taken friends with me after telling them how great it is, and then it hasn't been good. Which is just embarrassing. Where you think you're like, it's the bits, it's, you know, there's in and out, but Fat Burger, it's fantastic as well. And then twice in a row I go to Fat Burger, not all that great. I haven't had a Fat Burger in probably six, seven months. It's, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, Aaron Duran and his uh, lovely wife accompanied my wife and I to Vegas uh, last year. And I've been extolling the virtues of Fat Burger. And I've been burned once before. But I thought, well, maybe it's just an off day. We went there. Again, it, not, it wasn't all that great. It was, it was sort of disappointing. So now, um, until I hear that they've changed, uh, I'm going to quit taking people there. It's, uh, it's going to be strictly the In-N-Out Burger for me. Yeah. Meanwhile, In-N-Out continues its top-quality establishment and the way it makes burgers. So is that, what is that like? Are you reading the website or something? No, no. I'm just saying. You're just uh, like, oh, that's just your own personal editorial uh, personal, opinion. Yeah. Excellent. That's my take on it. All right. Good for you. Um... 
Anywho, you know, here's a, and by the way, just one. Even though I can't actually be where the sun is shining and it's warm, and there are uh, French fries being made out of potatoes within just a couple of minutes, I, I can sort of look through the phone at you and imagine you doing those sort of things, and it just makes my day a little bit brighter. So, um, hey, let's talk I about. Promise, once I once I finish the story I'm on now, I'm going to head there for you. Let's talk about the. Uh, thank you. See, that's what I'm talking about. The, uh, by, by proxy, my life will become more glorious. Let's talk about the Screen Actors Guild. So, what they fired the guy who was doing their negotiating, right? Well, uh, the, the, there's, here's where the controversy lies. Um, the, uh, Alan Rosenberg, who's the president of SAG, and his assistant president, I don't think it's a vice president position necessarily, but they're going to court to try and petition the judge to overturn that ousting of Doug Allen because they say it was done, uh, it was, it was done improperly. However, in SAG's constitution, there's this thing called written assent, and that's the that's what the the board used, or, or those who ousted Allen used to do the ousting. And there are those who say that 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 was improper. So Allen wants uh, uh, Rosenberg wants Allen reinstated. He wants the old negotiating committee back. I mean, this is such a, a strange and and. And, and divisive thing that's going on within this union, I, at, at some point, the whole thing has to explode, or implode, rather, and, and have to build from the ground up. I don't understand what's going on here, but it's just, it, it really is not doing any good for anyone. Well, and, uh, you know, and I, th- I don't think it was you that we were talking about this with. And there was somebody, uh, oh, our friend, uh, our friend uh, Todd Tolsis in the studio, who's, you know, he's a member of SAG and whatever. And, and I was saying, you know, I'm... I am surprised, by the way, that the next time any sort of contract negotiation comes up or whatever, that, you know, there's this face-off with the studios. It does surprise me that the studios haven't finally just pulled out the nuclear weapon and they've said, look, here's the deal. Um, you know, everybody's sort of digging in their heels and, they, you know, the SAG wants – and I understand – don't get me wrong. I understand the studios really, in some ways, especially in so-called new media, really shafting the actors. I really do understand that that's the case and people aren't really getting what, what they rightfully ought to get. But I'm surprised that the studios haven't just said, all right, uh, here's the thing. What we're doing, we're not going to keep rolling out reality shows uh, you know, exclusively. That's not how we're going to do it. What we're going to do is we're going to offer right now uh, net, you know, acting gigs on network television shows to people who aren't in SAG right now. And you know what? You're not going to get paid a lot. You're not going to get paid, uh, you know, as much as you would. But you know what? You're going to be you're going to be on network television, and you'll get tons of exposure, and you'll be you know you'll be a famous actor. Who who wants part of that? Just well, a lot. They, can already, they can already sort of do that with under the Astra contract because as far as TV goes, they can hire TV networks can hire non-SAG performers and just hire uh, Astra performers. That's fine. But with the the issue comes in major motion pictures. And that's what's, that's where a lot of the money is. That's where a lot of the, uh, the studios are really hedging a lot of their bets, the box office, the amount of money that, uh, is made on, on those movies, and the fact that they have to use, well, they don't have to, but I guess for union purposes, they, they use, uh, guild members as actors. So, I guess they can do that, that, I guess they can do that with um, motion pictures, but I think they'll wind up with a lot of lawsuits at that point. See, that's a, that's my question: is the lawsuits? Because you got to wonder, you got to wonder just from the studio's point of view why they wouldn't just call the bluff and basically just basically just throw open the doors to scabs everywhere and say, Look, uh, yeah, here's the deal: like, uh, yeah, you're you're going to get paid a lot less, but you know what? You're going to be a movie star. Who wants a job? And then and oh, then I'll just take it. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, there's a million actors out there. And again, I'm, you know, look, I'm all for solidarity and 
you know, whatever. Uh, but I, but just from a financial point of view, just looking at it objectively, I am surprised that that is a tactic the studio hasn't at least threatened. You know, just and just say, look, and you know what, we're going to get sued. That's fine. We're still going to come out ahead. We're not having to pay Brad Pitt thirty million dollars a movie. Well, they also run the risk though of then the the Teamsters and the other union members and like the the crew positions, the technical, the technical people will all quite likely uh, strike out of solidarity. That's well, true. Yeah, well, there, are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of independent trucking systems, uh, truckers, too. I think, I think what, what the issue, too, is the, the working actor. And Kate Winslet yesterday at, at the Oscar luncheon was talking about her dad, who was a struggling actor. I mean, he struggled for the next uh, tag to a jingle, the next right. episode of whatever. I mean, he struggled whatever he could do to put food on the table for, the, her, for his four kids. And that's the actor, she says, they need to be thinking about. Not the people in the room yesterday, not the folks who are, who are uh, up for an Oscar, but those folks who every day are knocking on doors, are going to, um, are going to uh, auditions, going to auditions to try and, 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 and get some work to right. pay the rent, to pay the mortgage or whatever. She says that's where SAG is going wrong. If they just say, look, we'll take the deal after has, which is a deal that has some, uh, some conditions in it that, that applies to new media, then in three years, which is how long the contract is, in three years we'll revisit it. If they put that clause in there, I think that'd be fine. Let's just get everybody back to work right now. Let's eliminate the cloud of a possible strike so everybody's a little easier, and then let's see what happens after that. Right. But they're not doing that. I mean, uh, Alan Rosenberg wants to put everything together in one fell swoop and he's not going to get it because there's too much money involved and there's too much studios can lose. Well, you know what? Is one of my very favorite phrases, uh, one, of the, one of the maxims by which I live, George S. Patton, the famed World War II military commander, said this great thing. He said, a good plan today is better than a perfect plan next week. So, I, you know, it seems like this is, a, this is the wrong time to be uh, digging in your heels when you're going to end up at the fuzzy end of the lollipop. You know what I mean? You know what? That, that should be the motto of the side negotiating committee right now. Right. I mean, they need to get a good deal going and work for a perfect one as things develop because everything changes. You, I mean, new media will continue to be new media because everything constantly changes. Right. It's just amazing to me that they don't see that part of it. Everything's developing. Everything changes. New technology is coming around all the time. Look what happened from... Videos to DVDs. Look what's going on with that. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's amazing. It's a, I think you're right. A good deal today, a perfect deal later. It's a world gone mad, Jim Roop. Right. Not with you in it, sir. No, no, no. See, that's, uh, you and I, are, we're the linchpins holding this whole place together. Without us, it all falls apart into chaos and discord, sir. All right. Uh, I, don't, uh, I, don't know, I don't know what to tell you uh, about that one. I, I shouldn't be involved in that. I'm not. I'm just here to serve you, sir. I'm just saying, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's like uh, somebody once said, when you're on a plane, you got to stare at the wing because as long as you're staring at the wing, it can't fall off. As long as you and I are here minding the candy store, everything's going to work properly. So, all right. On that note, I will, uh, I'll let you get back to your day. Enjoy your afternoon. We will talk with you soon, sir. Thank you, Bob. Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, all right. You were just saying about uh, working actors, by the way. According to the Screen Actor Guild's uh, own statistics, so the average annual salary for a member of the Screen Actors Guild is less than $5,000 a year. Yeah. And that's average. Like four so bucks. that means you figure there are members of the Screen Actors Guild who are pulling down multi-million dollar yearly salaries right. for our movies. That means, and that's throwing the average way sure. off. So you've got people that make like... You know, a thousand dollars, five hundred bucks a year for totally. some commercials. Well, that's like the you know I don't want to open up a whole can of 
things here. But um, and Sarah, can you pop me up over there when you get a chance? I'll bring this up. But I, you know, I don't want to open up a, a hold in the discussion about whatever. But you know, it's like the ongoing debate about you know downloading music from the internet without paying for it and whatever. And you get the whole well, rich rock stars, blah 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 blah. But it's like you know. Just 99% of the musicians you know in your life are barely making enough to pay the rent, if that. And really, I would say a majority of the musicians who have any degree of fame are still not making any money because they got to pay off these. There's a little phrase called uh, "you must recoup before." You know, you got to. I cannot recommend this book strongly enough. This book, so you want to be a rock and roll star? Terrible title. Great book by Jacob Slichter, who was the drummer for Semisonic kind of that one-hit wonder closing time band. And he has a very clear-eyed assessment of what it's like. That guy, it's one of the best books, if not the best book, I have ever read from inside the music industry. Because that guy has no illusions about, about his career. He's like, look, I was in a band. We had one big hit. Never really did anything else. Now we play some little clubs now and again. But, you know, he's like, I had my moment. It was great. It's over. And so, and he also has, he's he has a degree, and he's a teacher, and he has this whole other career, so he doesn't need the gig. So he can be honest about it. But he talks about, you know the idea that you know, before you even release your record, you're like 500 grand in debt to the record company. He's like, you know, we had to sell a million records just to just to, just to be out of debt before we made dollar one. And so it is with SAG, where you got Brad Pitt again making 20 million dollars. You got some guy making four grand a year because he's trying to get uh, one line as third man from the left in an Office Depot commercial. So I am surprised just from a tactical point of view. And then we'll do the ADD uh, test results here. I'm surprised from a tactical point of view that the studios, and that I'm not advocating this, I'm just saying, looking at it from a, from a capitalist perspective, the studios haven't said, well, look, you know, Tom Hanks and, you know, is hogging all the money right now. We know that most of you SAG guys are making like five grand a year. So, look, here's the deal. Uh, we're going to ignore the unions, and we're going to throw open our roles to non-union actors. You're going to get paid like ten times more than you are now. Not as much as you, you know, as you would if you were a huge star, but you know what? You're going to get to be in a movie, you're going to get to do what you love for a living, and you're going to make enough to pay the rent. Who, who's in? You know, and let the lawsuits come. And, uh, you know, and right now in this economy, I, I don't know... And I don't know that there's a lot of courts right now that are going to bar people from working. Because a lot of those places, you know, the states where it's like, you know, union-only states, like you have to be in a union to get to get, to get the job anywhere. And occasionally there'll be some guy who says, well, I don't want to join the union. I still want a job. And how well that holds up depends on the economy. Because if it's a bad economy, there's no judge anywhere that holds up a you-must-be-in-a-union-to-work rule. It's just not going to happen. So there you go. That is, uh, that's the end. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's crazy time once again. And let me now... All right, a few moments ago on the Rick Emerson Show, uh, we all took the symptom checklist for adult attention deficit disorders, both attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, and undifferentiated attention deficit disorder, ADD, and we asked you all to play along at home, ranking all the symptoms on a scale of one through four, one being not at all, two being just a little, three being pretty much, four being very much, and now the results of that test. Who wants to go first? I don't. Oh, sure, I will. All right, Dawn, uh, what was your point uh, total? 86. 86. All right, Dawn Taylor, 86. I'm going to write that down. Dawn, 86. Hold on a second. Dawn, 86. All right, Sarah Dillon, what was your point total? Dawn's more ADD than I am. (laughs) (laughs) I had 85. 85, Sarah Dillon. Rick Emerson, 100. So there you no go. No way. For the win or lose. So what does it mean? What do our scores mean? Um, well, you're that you're well, you're less crazy than I am apparently. Although I do believe. So we're ADD free? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that because you're still within shouting distance. I mean, that means look, because here's the thing, like if I scored a hundred, 
And I think we all know that I'm a little nutty. You got an A-plus, and we both got solid Bs. I'm saying, like, 86 and 85 is not that different from 100. I mean, it's within shouting distance. It's within the That's neighborhood. That's a lot different. If it's, you have to do, like... The thing is, with these, these tests are basically designed so that, you know, a professional can, like, actually have something to show you to say, see, you have this thing. Because the truth is, you know, when you're actually listening to some of the questions, you know, some of them, I, you know, about things like showing frustration or whatever... As I've gotten older, I've gotten much better at controlling frustration, and I've gotten much better at figuring out how to channel so that I'm not as easily distracted and do stuff. But, you know, I mean, some things you just can't argue with. Bad with money, oh, yeah, that's a Mm -hmm. four. You know, but some of them I just like, you know, getting along with people in a social situation. I have excellent social skills. I really do. Does that mean that I'm not feeling, like, keyed up and anxious inside and wanting to flee the entire time? No. So you can fake it. I can fake it. Yeah, that's me too. So. Yeah. All right. So I think I, I, I said, no, I'm, see, not, the, I'm not bad in social situations at all. But, you know, but I'm very good in social situations. It's a I'm relative state. It's like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Because, you know, one of the, um, and actually, my, you know, Laura and I have really, um, what's the phrase? What, what am I trying to say? We, we you know, here's the thing is, is that we have really, uh, I don't say worked through some things, makes it sound like the Clintons, but I mean, it's like, but you know what I mean? We've we've come to really understand a lot of things about each other, and I mean that in the best possible way, in that as time has gone on, we've sort of, you know, we, we've sort of figured stuff out, and we've we figured out why certain things kept happening to us, why certain arguments, why certain fights kept happening, and sometimes, you know, in your relationship, that, you know, you have the fight and it just blows everything apart. And we were actually able to do the the really, we were fortunate. We were able to figure out, like, hey, why do we keep fighting about this, like, one thing, for example, figured out why, and tried to resolve it and work past it. And one of those things is that she, God bless her, doesn't make me go to a lot of uh, social functions with her or, like, gatherings of, you know, like, friends or whatever, because I just, you know, I just don't, I don't do well there. And, and And I go... And I do a, I do a great job, and I'm pleasant, and I'm social. But for the longest time, she would ask me to go over to like like you know, hey, my friend is having a small dinner. You know, you're going, and I would say, uh, and I would just turn into a total dick about it. I would just be obnoxious, and I'd be sulking, and I'd be whatever. And I finally was had to explain to her at one point. I said because she has a fear of speaking in front of people. Um, you know, put her in front of a crowd, and she gets freaked out. And I finally made the case that we were we were on the way to a barbecue at one point, and I was being just so sullen about it. And I was really being a jerk. It was me. And she pulled over, and she's like, "What is your effing problem? I'm like, we're just going to dinner. People like going to dinner. What be a, what? Is, you're a child. Knock it off. Be a man." And I and we had this huge argument, and the the realization that I had not even put together in my head. I finally said. You know how you feel when you have to get up in front of 100 people or, you know, 200 people at work and give a presentation? said, that is how I feel in small groups of people. It is exactly, we really are like, it's like a ladyhawk thing. We are polar twins. We are at opposite ends of the spectrum of this. said, the larger group of people that I'm speaking in front of, the more comfortable I am. You put me in front of 1,000 people, you know what? I am absolutely calm. I am, I am, I am relaxed. I am totally in my, like that Mythbusters thing. I don't know how many people the Yarling Schnitzer concert hall holds, but that's like, I mean, several thousand. You know, a few thousand people there. So I was on stage with the Mythbusters guys. Obviously, you know, you want to do a good job and everything. But you know what? I was totally relaxed. I mean, I could have taken a nap. Um, but you put me in a room with five people where I have to, like, talk about stuff and have small talk and whatever during dinner. And it's like I am just sweating and just, my palms are like I'm twitching and I'm kind of clenching my fists and whatever. And that was what finally helped her to understand it. 
is I said, that's the thing. Like, the smaller the group of people, the greater my anxiety. Mm-hmm. The greater, the, the bigger the crowd is, the more calm I am. Uh, you and I are totally opposite in that regard. Because I get, yeah, I get anxiety in front of huge groups of people. It right. makes me so nervous. Well, but, you know, from the roast, I was, like, freaking out. But in small social settings, you work really, really well. Yeah. And yeah, I'm more like you. I have, uh, I, I've done stand-up comedy. I've done live theater. I, I, I'm fine in mm-hmm. front of a crowd. But, like, uh, God, once a year I have to do this Christmas party for my husband's work. And to make, so not only do I have to sit at a table with a bunch of people I don't know, dress nicely, and not spill food on myself, and make small talk, but uh, one year he's like, oh, we're going to, it's in Corvallis. And one year he's like, we're going to drive down with my boss Mike and his girlfriend Sherry. So I'm I'm in a, and they're lovely people. I like them very much, but. I don't know them, right? And I'm in a car with them for yeah. three hours. Like Some weather we're having, and just like you know, don't say something weird. Don't right. be strange. Don't right. don't 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 be profane. Don't say something nice. Say something. That's a lovely sweater you're wearing. I just like you know. And you hear this banal inanity coming out of your mouth. Yeah. You and I are on the same page. And Sarah, and this is you know something I've said a billion times. So Sarah and I have a relationship, not unlike my wife and I have a relationship, in that my wife. We have we have this sort of you know we have my wife and I have an understanding, Don, and the understanding is this: she doesn't ask me to go to a lot of small social events. But now here's the the agreement: she doesn't ask me to do it a lot because she knows that it freaks me out. And that's the thing I finally had to make her understand: it's not that I'm grumpy, it's not that I'm just trying to be a jerk, it's that I get freaked out. Just the way she gets freaked out speaking in front of a large group, I get freaked out with small groups of people. Which maybe it's mental, maybe it's not. Whatever, it just is. And so the agreement is: she doesn't make me do it very often. But when she asks me to do it, I do it without complaint. And you know what? I am the method actor. I imagine what it's like to be able to interact normally with other human beings, and I just act like that guy for a couple hours. Then I go home. And when, that's when it. When I was in therapy, uh, my therapist, uh, they, they called that acting as if. Yes, exactly. Yes. I act as though I am a normal person who can engage in normal small talk with other people. And then we're done. And so same thing with Sarah. A couple times a year, Sarah will say to me, uh, look, uh, you know, the, uh, the Willamette's having a party and you're going because it's good for the show and you got to be there and I'm tired of you not uh, showing up for stuff oh, like uh, recently. I like a dinner party for my birthday. I'm just like, you, I don't, I don't care if it makes you uncomfortable or if you're going to talk about the show a little bit. I'm like, it's my birthday. You're coming over. You're bringing Laura. You're being normal. That was it. And you know what? And I went and I uh, acted normally. I was fine. Everything was great. And then I went home. And so the, Sarah and Laura both understand now that, you know, I can do it. They're gracious enough that they don't ask me to do it all the time, but now I do it without complaint. I do it without bitching and moaning, and I go and I do a good job. And it's just, uh, you know, just another gig. I went to a birthday party about a month ago, and it was, I, I told you guys about it. It was a, a murder mystery thing, and you dressed up, and you were going to do this murder mystery party thing. And it sounded like a lot of fun. And the closer it came to happening, the more keyed up I got mm-hmm. and realizing that, you know, I only knew like about four people that would be there, and I was going to have to walk around to do this murder mystery thing and talk to people and, and I just started completely freaking out and my, right. and my husband's going, Don, it's a party. It's right. going to be fun. I'm like, sure, it'll be fun. No, it'll be great. It'll be great. It'll be great. Um, should I wear these shoes? Because if I don't wear these shoes, these shoes might get uncomfortable later. Now, I'll bring a second pair of shoes in case these shoes don't work and, and I don't, does this, should I be dressed like this? What are other people going to be dressed like? I don't know. What, and I was just completely losing it. And I had this, you know, this is one of those things that I, I had this realization about myself, my the whole thing that I I, I had part of the realization anyway. The part that the, the realization that I react to small crowds the way other people react to speaking in front of a huge group of people that came later. But the realization that it just didn't bother me to be in front of a huge crowd of people came actually at a really young age. I was very fortunate when I was 18, I think. I introduced 
how many? It was at the Gorge, and I don't know how many people the Gorge holds. Uh, um, a billion? I don't but it was, know. I don't know lot. to what degree, but I, I introduced George Thoroughbit, of all people, uh, at the Gorge years ago. I was a teenager still. I mean, I was 18, maybe 19. And I series of events I lucked into getting the, you know, the, the being the guy who walks out, are you ready to rock? You know, and so, and but and looking back at it now, it is... I mean, I just had no, like, it didn't phase me at all. I had no issues with it, you know. It was, I was just completely calm. And I walked out on stage, and there's, I mean, thousands of people at the gorge, and I didn't even. Well, that's very anonymous, though, is what I find. That's very anonymous. They are a crowd. Yeah. You know, you're not actually interacting on an individual basis. Like, they're saying something to you, and then you're going to say something back, and then you're going to see that judgment in your eye, their eyes, like, oh, you're an idiot. Yeah. You know, it's just, they're, they're just a big they're a big amorphous mass. See, a minute ago we were all crazy because of the test. Now uh, it's just you and I that are crazy again. And but Sarah's over there being normal. My other thing, though, and maybe this, uh, my my other crazy thing is too that people think I'm really gregarious and I come off as very mm-hmm. socially adept. But I become shy in direct proportion to how much I actually want someone to like me. So yeah. if if I want if I think somebody is really cool and I want them to like me, I become a blithering idiot. And I just stand there, and I'm so afraid of saying something stupid, I just kind of like, hey. Right. Hi. And I'll, even to the point of actually just turning around and going to the other side of the room and not speaking to them at all. And see, and I'm totally... <laughs> I love the idea that you're putting your head in the corner like the guy in the Blair Witch Project. The uh, Sarah has pointed out uh, that she can always tell when I'm really a fan of somebody because then I become, like, extra funny and extra witty, and I'm saying clever things all the time. And somebody funny, or anytime there's a, a woman in the studio, uh, which includes you, by the way. And so, of course... You know, anytime there's going to be a little mystery, suddenly I'm super Rick. I am the cleverest guy you've ever met. Let me fill the following phrase with puns and witticisms so that you might say to yourself, by God, that Rick Emerson's an amusing lad. And, of course, I just look like a retard. Um, hey, so tell you what, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get some more news. Hey, uh, hey, 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 Richie Bristol. When we come back, we're going to do that breakup story thing. Uh, and I'm going to try to find the printout, but I may ask you to, to go track down today's breakup story. I don't know where I put mine. And then we'll revisit the zombie business from yesterday. So that's coming up. Around the corner, Don Taylor, breakup stories and the zombie question, Redux. Stay there. It's a Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. All right, here's how we're going to do this. We've got, uh, let's see, we've got some uh, folks on hold. Richie uh, Bristol. So here's how we're going to do the uh, the next uh, segment or two of the show, Richie. So we're going to take, we're going to do the the zombie Costco question from yesterday, but we're going to do it again today just to sort of resolve it because we didn't really budget enough time and then it became a whole thing. And then Aaron Durant sent like some... War and Peace type response. <laughs> he did. He sent a novel. I mean, I got a lot of more like, you know, it, it was like Pee Wee trying to demonstrate how the bike was stolen. Exhibit Q! And it was just on and on and on. So we're going to do a second round of questions today about hiding out in Costco during the zombie apocalypse. Then tomorrow we're going to move on to the next undead survival question. But we, we got to do like a second half of the Costco thing. So if you are on hold right now, uh, Richie, we talked to the folks on hold. And they, we got two ways to go here. Uh, either if they want to weigh in on whether or not you should hide out at Costco during the zombie apocalypse, great. If not, we'll have to have them call back at another point. So we've got to kind of clear out the phones for this. So if you can take care of that, that would be uh, fantastic. So uh, right now, we will take your calls about uh, the zombie apocalypse, Costco, etc. Uh, so the question is this. 
Is or is not Costco the appropriate place to hide out during the zombie apocalypse? Is or is not Costco the appropriate hiding place when the undead rise? And why? And why or why not? It is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. So while we are waiting for this to become that, we're going to do this, which is today's Pro Flowers Valentine's Day giveaway. Happy Valentine's Day or not. On the Rick Emerson Show, we've asked you to go to 970.am. Tell us your breakup story in 200 words or less. If we read yours on the air, you will win a $75 gift card to proflowers.com. Get a dozen Sweet Expressions Roses for $39.99 and a second dozen free. Go to proflowers.com, click the microphone, type in Emerson, or call 1-800-PROFLOWERS. Offer expires Friday. As we did yesterday, we begin with the life of Sarah Dillon. So I was dating this guy this one time, and I really, really liked him. And I was, like, really excited for the relationship to move forward. So things started to go a little sour when uh, he, we were talking, and he's, we're in his room, and he pulls out this, uh, <laughs> this penis molding kit. Wow. That wasn't really where I expected this to oh, go. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, hey, so I bought this, uh, you know, when I was dating my ex-girlfriend, but we never got around to using it. So many layers of bad. I'm like, okay, I can just forget about this. I'm like, I can pretend this didn't happen. He didn't ask me that and say that he bought it for his ex-girlfriend to use for her amusement. So, um, then one day. I don't think I've ever heard that story. Then one day we were going to a movie and I'm like, oh, wow, I like this boy so much. And we, like, when you had pizza and we're driving in a car, you know, in the car back to him, I'm just looking at him like, oh, this, this guy. And you've great. gotten past the fact that he had a penis molding kit that he purchased for his ex-girlfriend. For his ex-girlfriend. But he didn't think that it was anything wrong because it hadn't been used, mind you. Wow. So I thought that maybe it would be a fun thing for us to do. I'm like, uh, no. So they were in the car, and I'm like, okay, penis molding kit. Totally like not thinking about that. It's fine. He can still be, you know, the, the love of my life. So we're driving, and uh, he's talking to me, and he's like, so uh, we were talking about people in movies. He's like, oh, my friend, this girl did a movie with Morgan Freeman, and he told her that he, you know, he thought she had really nice breasts. And I'm like, oh, haha. So we're sitting in the car, and he's just like, so... What kind of ladies are you attracted to? No! And I was like, excuse me? And he's like, what kind of women are you attracted to? I'm like, uh, I am not attracted to women, so I don't have a type. And he's like, well, you know, if you were, what kind of what kind of ladies would you be attracted to? I'm like, okay. So and I'm starting to think like, this is going horribly awry. I'm like, you know what? This isn't really working. And so we get to the porch. And I'm like, so do you have a specific person? And he's just like, well, have you ever wanted to do a threesome? I'm like, no, because I'm with, I'm with somebody. I want to be with them. So then I, you know, finally I do like the girl, like mind twisting. I'm like, no, so do you have somebody in mind? It's cool. Just tell me, you know, who do you have in mind? He's like, well, you know, that girl who's on the oh. movie. He's like, I have, he's like, she's a suicide girl. I just didn't know if that would be your type or not. And uh, so basically he asked me to have, uh, we had just started dating and I was completely enamored with this guy. And he basically asked me if I want to have a threesome with a suicide girl because I just wasn't enough. So his desire for a threesome turned him into a onesome and I've not spoken to him since. That was so much worse than I expected. I've dated some winners. That one, that one was within the past year. The layers of dumb in that story. I mean, not on your part, obviously, but... Like, first of all, the thing about, here's this kit to mold my penis. Seriously? I was like, like, are you kidding me? Well, that's creepy, but then the, like, 
I bought it from our last girlfriend, but we didn't get a chance to use it. Um, what do you think? Like, don't ever, even if it's true, don't say don't that. Don't say that. He had absolutely no tact, and then I'm just like, how? You had been just dating him how long when he? Oh, for about a month. Yeah, that's, that's too that's too soon. soon. Way too soon. Penis and molding like, is later. After yeah. you know. Oh, and the penis molding thing was like after a couple of weeks. That he said it was for like for another girlfriend that he'd had. Jesus. All right, so, okay. Well, which is creepier, that he got it with his ex-girlfriend or he just got it by himself? Well, but I mean, whatever. Like, you know, maybe it's like a I was, I was alone before I met you, but I got this thing for my penis. But you know I was what? waiting for the right girl to mold my penis for me. But you could also say, like, but you could almost say like, well, it's a wacky, like, gag gift, you know? Like, I got a big box of porn in my office, by the way, that, like, is just piled up because, like, you know, what? one of our fine sponsors is always, you know, it's like, there's only so many dildos one can have, so... Uh, but I mean, you could I almost all the time. you could almost pass it off as a joke, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I got this at a white elephant party. Ha ha! Somebody, hey, you want to try it? Seriously, yeah. somebody gave it to me for Christmas. Isn't it funny? Wah wah wah! And then he throws it out there. Maybe Sarah says, "Let's go for it," or maybe she doesn't. But you can also pass it off as a gag gift, almost. So seriously, like my reaction to the you know the penis molding thing, and then all of a sudden, like a few weeks later, is like, hey, how about a threesome with a suicide girl? Yeah. You know what? You're not enough. I want to, you know, hump another girl in front of you. The thing is, it's like the two things are so tied together, though, because just because again, he has like the weird penis kit or whatever, (laughs) and that's not enough. That's weird. But then he says. And I bought it with another girl. Like, that's so... Even I know you don't do that. I couldn't believe that he said... I'm like, what? this person is, like, like has to have mental problems. I can't believe it. So you could almost accept that as like, okay, that's your dumb guy moment. Like, you get that one. You know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's, your, fr- that's your free shot right there. You get that one. The next one is going to cost you. Okay, then you fast forward, and he's asking you, and I know that... Guys are guys, and so guys are dumb, horny, one-celled organisms. I understand that. And so you get to the point where, so, uh, I mean, would you, would you ever want to do that? You're and like, this person was older, mind you. Like, he isn't like a 22-year-old guy. I mean, he's a man. And, and, but who you has, know, like, his spare penis mold for whoever, whomever he brings home at night. Well, the suicide girls don't please I wonder either, how many so. people he's asked to mold his penis before me. <laughs> Um, and then, and then, and then no one has said yes, by the way. They've all passed. And then have a threesome with a suicide girl, which is like of anything. Well, suicide, and who asked you, what kind of girls are well, you attracted to? It was so creepy. I'm like, uh, how disrespectful can you be? He was hoping me? you would say, I, I like uh, whatever kind I like, you like. I like skinny, kind of gothy girls with tattoos, tattoos who look like they need to shower. And he'll go, great, I know one of those. She's a suicide girl. I like strippers who claim they're not strippers. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> was that not loud? Um, the, uh, no, but, but okay, so. You can, again, the, the penis molding thing, like, okay. And you actually, get, a lot of my friends are writing to me now because they know who I'm talking about because of the threesome thing, and they, I never told them about the penis molding thing. So and I was like, what? He, he gets that almost as his free shot because he's, he's a guy and therefore dumb. And I will also, because I'm generous, I'll give him the threesome thing because, again, guys are dumb, and at a certain point, I guess, like, so, what, like, when you're, not, when you're in college, like, do you ever, like, kiss another girl or whatever? I mean, because guys, it's just crap that guys think about. That's not the fatal error. The fatal error, which he was too dumb to see, which Specified. I could see, and I'm an idiot, is when you try the little trick of, oh, I totally, did you have anybody? And Did you have anybody in mind? Oh, no, it's okay. You can totally no. tell me. Don't ever fall for and that. And the correct answer is no, baby, because no. there ain't nobody as fine as you. <laughs> I mean, only if I could clone you, but then that'd be creepy and like incesty. So I wouldn't do that either, but baby... <laughs> You're one of a kind. There's nobody like you. I, I couldn't even imagine another woman when I'm in your presence because your radiance is so bright that it blocks out all the sun and all my thoughts. No, he says, well, as a matter of fact, there's this one girl. Fail. Thread closed. You have lost. Turn. You, you are done. Game over. 
<laughs> Good God. So hopefully he's found a new lady to, to mold his penis and have a threesome with. I had a couple uh, come to a party I gave once, and they brought me, like, a really way too nice uh, birthday gift. It was like a necklace, uh-huh. and it was really too nice. <gasps> and I thought, wow, that's really bizarre. Thank you for over-gifting me. And then somebody else told me, well, you're on their list. And I said, what list? Well, they have a list of women that they would like to bring into their relationship. I was like, no. Ew. I don't want to sleep with either of them, much less most of both of them at the same time. They have a list? Who does that? Uh. Hey, speaking of which, you know, I had to move offices recently. I, moved, I was upstairs, and I moved downstairs to this, you know, this office down here on this floor. And I was cleaning it on my, my desk. You know, I put my stuff in a box and whatever. And I'm bringing all my stuff downstairs to the new office. You know what I found in one of those boxes, never used, are all those passes they gave us to, like, free weekends at Angel's Social Club. Oh, yeah. I found those, like, one to each of us. Uh, just, uh, you know, Rick, Sarah, Tim, you know, good for free admission, just, like, sitting at the box. Uh, all right. All right, well, should we take our last break and then take the phone calls from the other Yeah, let me read this. Yes, I'm sorry. Into the break. Do you want to fire that up? And then we'll come back with zombie uh, oh, talk around the, around, the, around the corner. The winner of today's Pro Flowers Valentine's Day uh, $75 gift card. This is from Dave. While surfing the internets, I found a website, planetout.com. It was in the history list in Firefox. Upon further investigation, I found out that Planet Out is a gay, bisexual, lesbian, and transgender website that hosts a dating service. I found my wife's personal ad. Amazingly, she had the nerve to knock five years off her age, added a college degree she doesn't have, and neglected to mention her two marriages. I also found she had scanned all my bank statements and financial records onto the computer. Needless to say, a divorce soon followed. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you. Signed, Listener Dave. Listener Dave... You're the winner of a $75 gift card from ProFlowers.com. Coming up next, we talk about surviving the zombie apocalypse on The Rick Emerson Show. Good God. And running into the dishwasher doesn't make them clean, Don. <laughs> why, why do you make that sound like it was my dishwasher and my things? <laughs> I'm just saying... This thing, that's coming nowhere near me. (laughs) Jesus. What is a Paul that settled over the room? (laughs) I'm getting emails from people who feel, like, I don't, I find it kind of humorous because it is my life. I'm getting, like, emails from people who are, like, legitimately sad for me. Oh, baby, I'm so sorry for you. Drinking drinks thrown in your face, penis molds, and suicide threesomes. I'm sad about your love life, Sarah. I well, feel for you. As a Dawn said, Dawn said, that story makes me sad. <laughs> On the other hand, though, you can look at it from the point of view, Sarah is out there living. She's taking chances. She's taking risks. You know what? If I don't she have, is living. Nothing ventured, nothing I love sharing my again. stories with people because I realize that a lot of times people don't have as ridiculous things as this happen. And this is true. This is my life. And, you know, love it or hate it. That's what you know, you're, you're like some romantic Icarus, Sarah, <laughs> flying too close my to the sun. My out there somewhere without a penis mold in his closet. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, it's time for today's undead survival question. It's 503-733-2970. So this is the second half of yesterday's. We're trying to get to the bottom of is or is not Costco an appropriate place to hide out from the undead. Don Taylor, what's your gut sense on this? Um, my initial reaction is yes, it's a great place, but then I realize there's going to be way too many other people who are showing up there too. See, a lot of people have said that what makes it a bad place is what makes it a good place, in that you're going to have to 
you know, kill everybody else who's already there, and then everybody, everybody in the town will be besieging it. Somebody said you'd have to actually take the signs off to hide the fact that it's a Costco. See, when I lived in North Portland, we were going to head for Delta Park, which is much less populated, and there's a wholesale grocer right next to a shooting range. Mm-hmm. So you got the big cans of food and the guns That's and ammo in the same place. Well done. All right. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Costco during the zombie apocalypse. Yes or no? Uh, Costco is fine. Uh, most people won't have time to plan for the zombie apocalypse. So you're not going to, you know, as they're running towards Costco, the zombies who are loose are going to be slaughtering them. So you're not going to have a whole bunch of people showing up at Costco. That's a good point, actually, that maybe you won't be besieged by people trying to get in because they'll be outside where the zombies are. Yeah. Uh, That'll, they'll take you care know, of It's like a self-cleaning oven. It takes care of you itself. You might have your immediate family and a couple of friends, and then uh, the other people won't be able to get there because the zombies will have taken care of that problem. Excellent. That's All why right. you're going to Costco in the first place. Good looking out, sir. Well, well thought out. Thank you. Okay. All right. There you go. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Zombies, uh, the zombie apocalypse hiding out at Costco. Yes or no? Is this me? Yes, it is. Hello. Excellent. Excellent. I work at Costco, and I think I should go there. So Wait, you work, okay. at, you, you work at Costco? I do. All right. Now, really, honestly, just be straight with me here. Do you think it's a good place to hide out from the zombies? I think I'd be okay there. They'd let me in. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty much like a contained entity. you got your frozen food. You have uh, canned everything. We have workers, tools. See, and somebody said there's no weapons, but you have tools there. And the tool is a weapon. You know, you got a hammer. you got something to hit Zach with. Yes. Yeah, it's more like a BYOA, bring your own guns and ammo. Exactly. Um, And there are no big windows out front, right? I mean, it's basically just those steel doors. Yeah, there are no windows that's, except for the skylight. That's what I'm talking about. Right. There's lots of booze and toilet paper, and those are going to be Tons very important paper. Exactly. So just a skylight. Zach, don't climb. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank All you. All right. Do a couple more here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Costco during the zombie apocalypse. Yes or no? No way, Rick. Because? Because they have skylights. You know them zombies. They just pack themselves around and eventually get on the roof and come crashing in and get you. I don't see, I, but how would you get on the roof? I couldn't get on the roof when I'm not a zombie. Because zombies will just pile up and then they'll climb over each other. Uh, maybe. Not to... Primark, dude, it's much safer. They got those steel cages that lock up the doors at night. Oh. No skylights. You're locked in nice and safe. All right. Okay. Bymart. It's another vote for Bymart. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Final uh, vote on this today. Uh, Costco during the zombie apocalypse. Yes or no? No, because, uh, like I said earlier, everything that makes it good is also what makes it bad. All right. It, would be, it would be a good uh, temporary, I would think, but not uh, long term. All right. Thank you, my friend. Uh, Thank you. All right. Tomorrow we do a different one. This is all uh, by way of promoting uh, AZ, which is part of CBS Radio Theater, which returns this Sunday at 6. The other half of CBS Radio Theater is Kimmy Waters and the Songbirds of Sing Sing, a uh, noir detective thriller set right here in Portland, Oregon. Don Taylor from Film.com. We didn't get a chance to actually talk about films or movies or whatnot. We didn't, and I I actually sat down and watched Titanic for you people. Now you have to wait and give us your reaction another time. Yeah, you can't you... tell us anything about what you thought. Don't even. Because you watched something else. It was Titanic and what? And I, and and I Repo. saw Repo. Okay, what did you think of Repo? I loved it. See, How amazing that. is that I movie? Am, and I'm so in love with that guy, the grave digger guy. Oh, oh my God, he's a sexy, sexy man. Okay. So next time, Titanic. <laughs> next time, All right. Time. As always, Dawn Taylor, thank you so much. Dawn Taylor, you can read her at film.com, and you can buy her comestibles at polidorychocolates.com. Yes. Excellent. There you go. Uh, join us tomorrow when I guess include Dave Schmidtke as well as Katie Darrell from TMZ, and yet another question about surviving the undead apocalypse. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM970, The Talker. In the newsroom, Don Taylor. On the phone, it's Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, and, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Donap with me, Reynolds. We want to thank uh, 
Lisa Desjardins, as well as Jim Roop and Lisa Wood from Rock 101, KUFO, uh, and so forth. Like us next, Michael Mara Show at 7, Phil Hendry tonight at 11 o'clock. Until then, watch out for snakes. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye now. Take your f***ing ass. I want you off the f***ing set, you f***ing...